0: Walmart, I know you're very controversial, but your bathrooms are exquisite.
1: Are you professional or not? No! What the f***? Under Gotham Moon Crying out He's a rich boy's tomb Let the stealing cat two faces of a coin Scarecrow's frightened Of a clown that's laughing
0: Pants. Yeah, I forgot to say that the last um, podcast. How could you? I know, sir. It's our, it's our trademark or or copyright, right? There you go. Yeah, where's <laughs> yeah. the only one? Or whatever. Know. Yeah, <laughs> something legal. I should say. Um, yeah, this is the Bad Fans Without Pants podcast. This is episode number thirty-six, and we have new theme music by Ben C. Foster. Not Ben Foster. Ben Foster is an actor, and he was in um, X Men and uh that Jason Statham movie the, the mechanic tra- the transporter I don't know it's like one of those you know generic Jason Statham action movies <laughs> well, that where he plays like a guy that has to go rescue somebody and he has to beat up a lot of guys and shoot and kill a lot of guys
2: was it the movie where he was doing a lot of kicking probably (laughs) (laughs) okay
0: yeah I know it's one you're talking about then (laughs) that really narrows it down (laughs) well he's made like the same movie for like ten years there's no difference in it even the Expendables movie because that's just one of his regular movies on a grander scale (laughs) with a bunch of other stars in it too (laughs) yeah yeah like Jet Li and Stallone and Dolph Lundgren
2: now there's gonna be twelve of us kicking (laughs) <laughs> and
0: now Harrison Ford too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. He's gonna be a weird fit in that movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how he's how he's gonna work in that movie because, I mean, he's kind of an older guy. You know, he's kind of, I mean, the the way he talks is really slow. And I don't know how he's gonna fit into that movie. I mean, is he gonna be like the the leader of the Expendables or is he gonna be an expendable?
3: Maybe he'll be a behind-the-scenes guy, kind of like giving the team orders and, like, talking through their headsets and telling them where to go and all that, maybe.
2: He'll be the Martian Manhunter of the team. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
3: as long as it doesn't affect his shooting schedule for Episode 7, he can do whatever movie
2: he wants. Oh, yeah, of course, exactly. (laughs) Priorities, Harrison, priorities.
3: (laughs) It ends up he passes on episode 7 for the expense. Oh, 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 oh.
2: <laughs> a million fans just screamed out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. I, I uh, think ben C. Think. Foster. Yes. ben <laughs> C. Foster. Ben C. Foster. He's a really cool guy. He's a big guy. He could probably beat us all up at one time and uh, beat up Terrence, too, while he's beating us up. So, yeah, um, we've got,
3: we got to say that theme song is awesome. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I've had that song it stuck in my head for the past week. Ever Same since here, he yeah. sent it. I'm like, I'm like, that a bat That
3: chorus, I know, just get stuck in your head. Yeah, it does. It really does. It um, makes you want to strut down the street, like, real slowly. <laughs>
0: like,
2: I, I liked how we fit Scarecrow in there. That was just the coolest part. I'm like, that is so stinking awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. And, and two faces of the coin or something like that. Yeah, he did a really good job. Is yeah. all I can say. So thank you, ben C. Foster, not Ben Foster because we don't know him. Uh, he seems like a nice guy. Uh, made some good movies, I guess. I haven't really seen him in in a lot of movies, but sure, he's a nice guy. Ben C. Foster, we really want to thank you. We love you, man. Uh, not in a gay way though, and he made a really cool Star Wars themed. Uh, record, I guess you would call it, or album fan record. <laughs> yeah. Fan record. I I don't know if there's a the right terminology terminology for it, or if you just call it a regular album. But but you can check that out at the fan dumb menace band bandcamp dot com. I would highly recommend you picking that up because it's pretty awesome, and uh, you can check out his Facebook page at facebook.com slash The Fandom Menace, so definitely check those things out, and Ben C. Foster, we love you. Right, Tim? Kudos, yes. (laughs) Hats off to creating such an awesome theme song.
3: We sure do appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Um, but, moving back on to Batman stuff, since we are a Batman podcast, and it says it in our new theme song, I have an admission to make. Oh, good I one? Or no, Batman? no, it's, it's not a bad one. It's okay. not a bad one, like, I don't like Nightfall as much as people claim. I thought you might say Batman and is my new could. favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm starting to warm up to Frank Miller's All-Star Batman. Really? yeah. But, and there's a big but, <laughs> he does things like, I'll, I'll read the book and I'll be like, oh man, I, I, lo- I like this Batman. I'm starting to like this Batman. And then there's a sex scene with, with uh, what do you call, whatever her name is. I Black Canary. Remember. Yeah, Black Canary. And it's like, oh, this is not. I mean, I know it's Elseworld, but like, I don't know, it just, it just doesn't fit and especially the stuff with Dick Grayson and how bad he was treated. And it's, I I don't know, it's, every time I like it, he does like 10 things that I don't like. (laughs)
3: You know, I haven't read that in so long. i only read like the first two or three issues and I just got turned off by it. But there's part of me that wants to go back and (laughs) at least look at the great art by Jim Lee and then just see, is it really as bad as everyone makes fun of and how I remember it?
0: Yeah, and another scene is like the, the, the scene with, Green Lantern, I mean, Green Lantern, I mean, uh, Batman and Robin kill, I mean, pretty much kill Green Lantern, but then they bring him back, but Bruce is so, I don't know, he, he he's like forcing it upon Robin, you know, and it's, it, it's just so weird, you know?
3: Yeah, it's no Robin's Reckoning origin story, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is not.
0: Uh,
2: I'm with, I'm there with you, uh, I love to look at the artwork. Um, I bought a, a big poster of the uh, uh, front issue of, you know, Batman and Robin uh, both together yeah. um, flying above the uh, bat signal. I just I love the artwork, yeah. and I love to look through it. Um, and that's one of those that I think sometimes artwork can really save a book. Uh, you could have a really great story, but if the artwork is horrible to look at, it's just like, ah, oh, the story is so boring. But yeah, I I, I kind of agree. I kind of get sucked into the artwork and go, it it the story's not that bad. And then I'll read a passage. I'm like, no, oh, the dialogue really does kind of suck. And Batman's really being a jerk to Robin. But, man, look at Batman's chin. That is awesome. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I was a diehard Robin fan, Rob. How, how was your first reaction to it when you were
2: first reading that story? Uh, uh, I was... It actually made me like stuff like Year One and The Dark Knight Returns. I liked it less because of that, it's because I had this bitter taste of like, wow, for a guy that wrote two probably of the greatest Batman stories ever, all of a sudden you forgot the character that you were writing about. So obviously you don't know about Batman as much as I thought you did, and I guess it's dumb luck. that You wrote two really good stories, so I don't know if he was trying to... I'm going to be different for the sake of being different. Well, you're different, all right. So, yeah, I I really didn't like it just because of that. I was just... I felt wrong reading it. Like, this this almost feels like I should call child services or something.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I mean... Kind of warming up to uh, Frank Miller's All-Star Batman, but I, I don't know. It's almost unlikable, but, you know, I'm kind of trying to <laughs> trying to like it. That's good. to just trying to make the best of it <laughs> for what's there.
2: I think that'll be yeah. safe to say that'll be one uh, movie that will not get made into a uh, feature-length uh, animated movie.
3: You wouldn't believe how many times I got asked when I was at the premiere for Dark Knight Returns. Like, some people I was next to on the press jungle, they kept saying, like, now that you did this Frank Miller story, are you going to do All-Star Batman? Is that next? I was like, really? That's what you're asking? You think they're really going to adapt that? And like even said, no, there's no plans for that. I
0: don't think so. <laughs> so so did you hear that more than Killing Joke? Yeah, I did, actually. Wow. Just because yeah. of Frank wow. Miller, yeah. But, you know, I was thinking about The Killing Joke as, a, um, as an animated movie, and – can they really put that into a, I don't know, an hour and 20-minute animated show? I think they'll have to add stuff to it. Yeah, they will, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a very quick read, and I, I think you said something in one of our last podcasts. Do you think they ever could do an R-rated uh, feature-length you know animated movie? I think that would lend itself very well to an R-rating just with the yeah. uh, stuff the Joker was mentally trying to do to Commissioner Gordon, what he ended up doing to Barbara Gordon. Um, but it's yeah they would have to i think they'd have to add a lot actually to make that work as an animated thing or it's going to have to be one of two movies on a disc or something because i think it would just go by really quick
3: yeah i think they'd with the talent that they have doing these movies it shouldn't be too much of a problem to add something then to make it worthwhile and fit into the story pretty good so but if they do get it that's if they actually do make a killing joke animated movie mark hamill is a must for that because he's saying that's the Joker role I'd definitely come back to do. Like, that's a no-brainer for him. He'd do that in a heartbeat. Uh, that'd be amazing to have him and Kevin Conroy do that movie.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I think that would lend itself to have a full animated series cast reunion on that.
3: Yeah. With uh, Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon. And yeah. Tara Strong and Barbara. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But again, it's, Getting my hopes up for something that probably won't happen for a long time,
2: (laughs) if at all.
0: Yep, just like the commentaries. Yep. (laughs) One of these days.
2: Uh, Speaking of commentaries, I'm trying to remember what podcast (laughs) we're doing right now, which ones we've talked about previously with Flashpoint. Did we talk about the after credits of Flashpoint?
3: No, we have not. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But we definitely will when we get to Flashpoint. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> Wake up, Rob. <laughs> Are you stuck in a time paradox, Rob? <laughs> oh, I think I must be. <laughs>
0: you attack of the Speed Force right now. So speaking of movies, um, not so much animated movies, but uh, the, the live-action movies. You know, we got the Batman, Superman, Superman, Batman, Man of Steel 2 movie coming out. Whatever it's going to be <laughs> called. <laughs> Whatever it's going to be called. And, um, you know, just perusing the Internet about, I mean, uh, j- just looking at random articles. There's a lot of you know, fan sites and comic book sites and movie sites that, I mean, I, I don't know what you would call it. it, it it's like you take a rumor, a, a complete rumor, and they report it as actual fact saying that they heard from their source that, you know, so-and-so is going to do this, you know, mm-hmm. or the plot of Batman Superman is going to be this. You know, th- this happens with every comic book movie and every big movie that comes out. And you know that's why i like the batman universe because i don't think that dustin would report on that kind of thing he he would never report it as fact and you know the the truth of the fact whatever whatever it is it it gets lost in you know the the article and you don't know what's true and what's fake or what's completely made up and what's actual fact so for this episode <laughs> We're pretty much going to give our worst ideas for a Batman Superman movie, Uh, the worst cast, and uh, the worst director, writer, and on and on and on until we run out of things to say. So, with that said, (laughs) Tim, uh, why don't you head up this topic?
3: And once we do give our worst ideas... We're going to say them as facts, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, no, no you,
0: you know what we should do is we should start a cons- conspiracy theory. We should say, like, um, Scott Snyder and Greg Hurwitz and Pete Tomasi and um, Gail Simone and everybody that writes a book are just faces. They're, they're just faces for the real writer who's <laughs> – just um, there
3: to go to the cons, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> there
0: one. to look pretty. Yeah. Um. And the real writer is uh, Frank Miller.
2: <laughs> Frank Miller.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I think we're gonna go with that. Can we start that and report it as fact? Why not? <laughs> 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 Our
3: sources say so, so it must be. <laughs>
2: See, and that's how you have to do it. You can't say your source. You just say, well, I have reliable sources. (laughs) That's (laughs) that.
3: And all you have to do to make it look like it's fact when you're posting a story about it, just forget to add a question mark. Then it looks like you're saying fact. (laughs) 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 Question marks would solve a lot of of those problems (laughs) and confusions. Tim, why don't you um,
0: get us started?
3: All right. So my worst ideas for this. So... Going into it, I'm, of course, pretty excited. And it would take a lot for me not to get excited about this movie, but certain things that would would be, first off, plot-wise, since it's technically a Man of Steel sequel, some that would kind of bug me about is if it's set in Gotham City and we're not even in Metropolis anymore, and nothing about the destruction that happened in the first movie gets mentioned and it's like, oh, Clark decides to go to Gotham City for some reason because he heard of this... Uh, vigilante called Batman, and he's not worried about what happened in Metropolis, and there's this villain called Lex Luthor, but he's not dealing with that. He's gonna go to Gotham and focus on this vigilante, and this new villain that pops up, this new crime villain. And instead of it being some villain we're all familiar with, it'd be someone taken from the recent Detective Comics run, and Emperor Penguin ends up being the main villain of the movie, and Batman, that's the one who Batman and Superman have to go team up with. Not in Metropolis, it's not Lex Luthor, it's in Gotham as Emperor Penguin. Starring as Emperor Penguin, Arnold Schwarzenegger makes his triumphant (laughs) return to the Batman movie franchise (laughs) as Ogilvy, also known as Emperor Penguin. Is that perfect casting or what? (laughs) That's
0: pretty perfect.
3: (laughs) Perfect.
1: I really hope they make that version.
3: (laughs) He has that... he starts off as normal, and then he turns into that weird Nightcrawler version of Emperor Penguin with blue makeup, so, and he already has experience with that as Mr. Freeze, so he's like, perfect for the role.
2: Get out of the
0: Iceberg Lounge now!
2: <laughs> See?
3: Oh. And as for Batman, I mean, we're hearing all these rumors about they're going to get an older Batman, and they're looking at these actors kind of like their late 30s, early 40s, well, let's go a little older than that, but not quite so old. But we we're talking about the Expendables earlier. How about they get Sylvester Stallone to play Batman and Bruce Wayne? <laughs> oh God, no!
0: <laughs> He's old no, enough. Terrible. He still looks fit, doesn't he? <laughs> well, what are you doing in
1: a uh, Gotham City? I am the
3: night. I am Batman.
2: <laughs> I am the law. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so you got. Henry Cavill teamed up with Sylvester Stallone as Batman against Arnold Schwarzenegger as Emperor Penguin and the sure to be hit Batman Superman movie of two thousand fifteen. I mean if that doesn't scream hit, I don't know what does. <laughs> but can you imagine if actually <laughs> those were considerations? They're looking for older actors to play Batman, they go that old to like these washed up <laughs> action stars
0: from that that is how you kill a franchise. Yeah. Uh, Batman and Robin Got it close to death, but it, it had a resurgence. That your idea would just flat out kill. Yeah. The <laughs>
3: <laughs> now it's it's kind of hard to say for a director because it's Scott Snyder, I mean Zack Snyder is already we know for direct, but if they were to give it to someone else and maybe put someone else in charge of the DC movies, I think probably the worst you can go. I think I mentioned this before. That video game movie director. Uwe Ball, or Bull, or whatever his name is. (laughs) It makes these low-budget, cheap, direct-to-DVD movies. And they want to bring his talent in to take over the DC movie universe.
0: Is he the one that did um, uh, Dungeon Siege? Yeah. With uh, Jason Statham?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, in The Name of the King, a Dungeon Siege tale. That's what it was called.
0: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Movies other
3: other hits including Blood Rain and uh, House of the Dead. <laughs> oh God, that
0: would suck. House of the Dead.
3: Oh, so yeah, with those three winning combinations of a plot involving Emperor Penguin, Sylvester Stallone as Batman, Uwe Ball as the director, <laughs> I think that would safe to say you're guaranteed a bomb. Or as you said, another killing blow to the Batman franchise.
2: Or a hit. Could be a hit. Impossible. Gotta, <laughs> gotta, we got to wait till all the box office receipts are in. <laughs> it
3: makes $10 million. <laughs> yeah. Which would actually be probably uh, Uwe Ball's biggest uh, movie if it makes $10 million. <laughs> yeah.
0: Did he also make a Auschwitz movie?
3: Uh... I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs>
0: so, so like, I guess I'll go then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, make yours worse than mine. <laughs> okay. My original choice for actor for the for the Batman Bruce Wayne role was um, now I'm blanking on his name. Uh, <laughs> the guy from Three Hundred.
3: I know who you're talking about, but <laughs> I'm blanking on the name too. The main star, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to say Gerard Butler, but that's wrong. Yeah, Gerard Butler. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Because ever since that movie, he's made crap. (laughs) All of his movies are crap. He made, like, a couple of romantic comedies, then, you know, a couple of action movies, and a surfing movie, which all sucked. So that was my original. And, um...
3: I've actually heard heard him in the rumor mill, for real. (laughs) Oh, God. Well, and that's
2: also a... uh... Zack Snyder films. So yeah,
0: that's that why a lot of are oh, right. to it. Doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, right. So um, you
2: could be you could be really close there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm predicting it. <laughs> um, but my choice for uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman uh, is an actor that's never made a good movie in the history of, of his career. <laughs> He's never ever made a good movie. Uh, the Rock. Uh, what about uh, that uh, Tooth Fairy movie he did? <laughs> like? Oh yeah, that was fantastic. You know, you know, Doom sucked. Uh, that Walking Tall sucked. Fast and the Furious, I'm pretty sure sucked. Uh, surely, uh, like the Scorpion King, though, right? You know, it's like a, it's like a off that nobody asked for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, something
2: is say? Oh no, I was just gonna say I don't remember walking out of the theater and asking, "Gee, can I see a rock in a movie that's loosely based on the movie I just saw with uh, Brandon Fraser?" <laughs> <laughs> well, if I did, I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: I actually saw an, inter- an internet article. And I hate these articles like these top ten things that are wrong with franchises, or here's what's wrong with this. But someone put here's like the top five movies that need the rock to save them or, like, to bring them back from the dead. <laughs>
0: oh, and wow. Star
3: Wars is actually on there. I'm like, what? Oh, if, my, and, you no had his, and you had his face superimposed in Qui-Gon. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh, I'm not even going to click on that article because that was the main <laughs> picture. His face on Qui-Gon's body. I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> but him in the Batman costume. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which, you, but you know who I think he could play in the DC Universe? at least visually looking like him would be Is that uh, no black Adam I think he actually looks like him kind of uh,
0: you yeah. know what you you might yeah you might be right yeah it's too bad he'll suck at it though <laughs> yeah. I mean like <laughs> <laughs> he's not a good actor. I don't know how he keeps on getting work. You, I mean, does he bring in that much box office? He, he does, yeah, that's the really? thing. Yeah. He really does. Hell, yeah, like the Fast and the Furious movies, and then. No, no, I'm talking about movies he star- like, he's the main star. He Is doesn't have to the share the No, it's like Vin Diesel and. Oh, that's right, that's right, yeah. Uh, that one guy. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Walker. Paul Walker. Yeah. So, I mean, has he made a. A lot of money in a movie that he's the lone star in it? He had to have some hits. I mean, don't those, like, kiddie family movies do pretty good, though, even though they look awful? Yeah, you're probably right, because, I mean, it's a kid's movie, and parents are going to take their kids to it. So, I've been, I yes. There are rumors, though, that
3: he's he's in negotiations to do something with Marvel, <laughs> we'll see how okay, that goes. Okay,
0: good. Stay with Marvel then. to <laughs> the, the D- DC universe, but that brings me into my plot because I think it's going to be a, a romantic drama. Oh man! Yeah, uh, Superman and Batman, Superman Henry Cav are going to be fighting for Lois Lane's affection, but it's going to be it's going to take place from Batman's perspective, so it's going to be uh, told in the future. And we're going to flash back to the past. So we're going to have an old Batman. Like, it's been reported. But we're gonna we're not going to get a 40-year-old or a 30-year-old or whatever. We're going to get the guy that voiced the old man in uh, the, the Pixar movie. <laughs> that guy. He's going to play Bruce Wayne. An old Bruce Wayne, of course. And he's going to be telling the story about how he lost his true love, Lois Lane. To Superman. So that's pretty much going to be the premise of the story, oh, and it's going to play. nuts I mean, it's going to retain that romantic drama thing, but it's also going to kind of dip its toes in romantic drama. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, a rom com. <laughs> so it's it's kind of it's kind of going to be. Uh, an experimental movie where it's a it's a superhero movie, but it's also a romantic comedy and it's also a romantic drama. And um, we're gonna recast Lois Lane, and uh, Katie Holmes is gonna play Lois uh. Lane. <laughs> And uh, the old Lois Lane, if you could bring back the dead, the lady who played the old Cade Winslet in uh, (laughs) Titanic. That's that's who's going to play Lois Lane when she's old. So now we need a director. And Tim, you actually brought him up Sylvester (laughs) Sloan.
3: So he's either going to star or direct it.
0: Yes, he's going to direct our piece of crap, romantic drama, romantic comedy superhero film. So pretty much the movie's going to flash back and forth, and Batman's going to be like, Oh man, I lost my great love. Uh, I thought I could start a life with her, but Superman stole her away, even though he's not human. See, I, I think we can play off the human thing, because Lois Lane's a human, and Superman is an alien, and he has an extraordinary long life, right? So, he's going to outlive Lois. So, Batman's case is going to be, you're going to die before Superman dies. And he's going to tell Superman, uh, Lois is going to die before you're going to die. So, why don't you save us the heartbreak and let me just have her. Because I love her. (laughs) So, that's going to be the story. And there's going to be a bunch of fights and stuff. And Superman and Batman are going to fight each other. And I mean, if the Batman versus Superman thing is really real. So... That's pretty much my premise.
3: So there's going to be no villain. It's just going to be the conflict between Batman and Superman fighting. Oh yeah, they're Lois also going to
0: be. they It's also going to be the plot of Superman Four. Uh, <laughs> <Is laughs> Killer
3: Bad's going to come back.
0: Yeah, they're going to be fighting uh, Nuclear Man, <laughs> and uh, the movie's <laughs> going to have a real message about nuclear warfare. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow, your movie makes perfect sense. I mean, the superhero genre hasn't gone that way. I mean, they tried. They got the yeah. crime movie, crime drama with the Dark Knight. We're going to get the sci fi angle with Guardians of the Galaxy. Now we're <laughs> going to get the romantic love <laughs> story.
0: Exactly. I'm glad you understand my crappy premise. <laughs> the terrible Batman Superman movie. All right, Rob,
3: make
2: yours the worst of them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I have to lay this out just right to see if you can piece this together. Um, it's gonna take place in San Francisco and it's gonna be called, uh, The Man of Steel 2 The Case of the Golden Caper. So, to make it sound a little bit more campy 60s style, um, I want to cast, uh, John Stamos as Bruce Wayne oh, Batman. God.
0: I can't believe I didn't think about that.
2: Now, we'll see if you can guess where this is going. Um, I,
3: I know where you're exactly where you're going. <laughs> I want to
2: cast uh, Tweedledum and Tweedledee in this, but I want to change their genders to female, and I will have the female roles be played by Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. <laughs>
0: Um, Do they even act anymore, or are they just like –
2: I I still think – I don't know if they do their own – I don't know if they do any kids' things. I think they're just entrepreneurial, or whatever that word is. Uh, They just generate a lot of money for not really doing anything. I think they make a lot of money just off the products that they continue to have. I think they have – one of them has a a makeup or cosmetic line. That is so sad that I even know that.
0: (laughs) What so, do you do at your free time,
2: Rob? <laughs> well, apparently we know I watch a lot of Full House. So uh, uh, in keeping with that, now that I've given away the plot, um, I want to have the villain Lex Luthor played by David Goulier, uh, <laughs> Uncle uh, <laughs> Joey, and uh, he's going to be, you know, our our menace in this. But I want Probably, a vo-
3: is he going to have his chipmunk puppet in there too? Like. Henchman or something. Yeah, that's that's gonna
2: that, that's gonna be the uh, he's the chipmunk puppet's gonna be the Otis. Yeah,
1: there
3: you of,
2: go <laughs> of of the film. Uh, and I would like there to be a voiceover for uh, Batman as he's kind of seeing this uh, new Superman for the first time, this alien. And I would like Bob Saget to do the voiceover of the inner monologue of uh, kind of like How I Met Your Mother kind of style, where he says, "Fans." Let me tell you about the time I met Superman, and uh, I really think that we could get this through for the director that uh, he kind of gets a lot of, you know, sneers and boos from the Batman fans that uh, Joel Schumacher is going to make his triumphant return <laughs> to direct uh, The Man of Steel uh, to Case of the Golden Caper. So that is my plot, and I'm just going to, it's going to have a little bit of an Elvis thing, you know, to it that uh, Batman's got this fondness for Elvis, that he listens to in the battlefield <laughs> as he's driving around. And uh, every once in a while, Superman will just look at the camera and just shake his head to believe he is not in this movie. <laughs> so I really don't have a plot, but I think if you watch an episode of full house, you'll get the general gist of what I'm trying to do.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, so whatever happened to the mom in full house, because I, you never see her?
3: I actually remember one episode where they watched an old home video of where, where she was actually in it. She's, like, coming home with, from the hospital with one of the babies. But the whole story is that like she died in a car accident. Yeah. No. <laughs> but that was, like, the only
1: time they showed her.
2: I ha- I have uh, a godson that when they were growing up as uh, kids, I mean, he's 10, but uh, there's probably five or six they used to like to watch. Full House and they have the whole season so I'd go over and babysit them once in a while and I watched a lot of Full House so yeah I, I definitely remember that
3: <laughs> uh, too bad there's no more TGIFs anymore oh, they yeah. could do a whole DC Universe movies based on TGIF shows they could do a Family Matters uh, Green Lantern core or something <laughs> Perfect Strangers, Brave the Bold or something. <laughs> man, you guys really went out way out there the movie. Yeah. Ideas. I was trying to keep it in the comic
0: realm. When you guys were like, wow. Well, mine was <laughs> technically in the comic realm. I mean, you got Batman versus Superman well, true, versus yeah. the, the Nuclear Man and Nuclear Warfare.
2: Uncle Joey likes to read comics, so that's <laughs> <Yeah>. that's close. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> man, it's hard to say which one is,
3: what would be the the absolute worst. <laughs> that was they could fail. I think I would have to go with Rob's. <laughs> I mean,
2: uh, having John Stamos there, you're automatically guaranteed to get the female population to go see this movie just because of John Stamos, I think.
3: <laughs> yeah, but yours, day might actually have a plot
0: that would get the female audience in, and they might actually really like it. Yeah, because there's a love story yeah. there, and yeah. there's two guys vying for the love of one woman, and, you know, all, all of those chick stuff, you know? So, uh, now that we've stated our plots and, and uh, actors and directors and all that stuff, why don't we name our movie? So, Tim, why don't you go first? I
3: thought something with Emperor Penguin in it. How <laughs> about Batman and Superman, the tomb of Emperor Penguin? The tomb of
0: Emperor Penguin. <laughs> 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 like a Diana Jones title. <laughs> uh, Rob, uh, how about you?
2: Uh, I think I I think mine was the case of the golden caper.
0: Oh right right yeah, it makes or, no sense,
2: but I just like the title. How about <laughs> the golden Caper? <Gatekeeper>? Oh, <laughs> even better. That's right, because the bridge is uh, uh, you're able to see it there. I like it.
3: That's where the climactic ending battle sequence is going to take place on.
2: Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I think mine will be. The Love of a Lifetime, The Love Lost, Batman, Superman. Can we get uh,
2: Firehouse, uh, Love of a Lifetime as the theme music for that?
0: Of course we can. Sweet. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, I guess that's it unless you guys can think of any more. Or any other questions? Well, but now that we got them out there, we gotta issue them as factual stories from our different sources. So, yeah i i heard I heard this from a a very secret source that is probably Christopher Nolan. (laughs) So, (laughs) mine was from
3: a friend of a friend, whose friend's cousin, whose brother, (laughs) whose second cousin. Is
0: involved with the movie, uh, but swore to secrecy and couldn't tell me his name. so <laughs> you just reminded me of something funny I heard uh, this past week. I was standing in line to get something to eat, and there was a guy talking to another guy behind me, and he goes, "Hey, you know my my cousin's sister?" He's like, "Isn't that just your other cousin?" Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's funny. See, <laughs> so why don't you just say my cousin? Like, oh, my uh, my cousin so-and-so. It must be the cousin he's not close with. Or yeah, to I guess He recognizes so. as his cousin. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Hey, Mom, who's that chick? That's your cousin. Ah, got it. <laughs> so I'll add that to my source, too. <laughs> okay. And, and, Rob, who's your source? Uh,
2: my source is the dude at the deli counter at Walmart.
0: <laughs> oh, that's... that's pr- you guys are so lucky that you got you, your Walmarts... Have deli, uh, a deli counter, and um, like fruit and all that stuff. <laughs> what does yours just have? It's just like frozen stuff and clothes, and <laughs> it, it's it's a Walmart without those things. <laughs> okay, that's a
2: Walmart by
0: name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> around here we called us a shed.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I have to say, and I'm going to state this for the world to hear, Walmart. It has one of the nicest bathrooms, really, <laughs> in the world. Because like uh, I don't know about your guys Walmart, but uh, my Walmart or the one I always go to, they clean the bathroom like every thirty minutes. Well, that's good. So it's all it's always nice. Toilets are flushed. There's always toilet paper if you need it. There's always paper towels and soap, and the sink isn't covered with water. Th- there's not a puddle of water on the sink. So yeah, man, Walmart's. I know you're very controversial, but your bathrooms are exquisite.
2: Uh, Tim, if you're like me, I have the exact uh, opinion of Walmart bathrooms yeah. that what Dave <laughs> just gave. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, at least the, the couple that are around me, uh, I will agree that they clean them all the time, but it is every time I want to use them. Oh, I'm sorry, we're cleaning the one in the front. Can you go to the one in the back? Sure, I go to the one in the back, walk away to the back of the store, and guess what? They're cleaning that one, too. <laughs> I'm like, uh, do I need to go to the sporting goods store and just drop one in uh, aisle J or what? <laughs>
3: Well, that's the secret of how they're so clean. They're always cleaning them that no one can go to the bathroom. Uh,
2: since we're on the topic of bathrooms, I anytime I hear a topic of bathroom come up, I always have to say this, and I want to know if I'm the only one that feels this way. So uh, you guys can let me know or don't say anything at all. But am I the only one that is sitting in the stall, and when you have to go reach for the toilet paper, why is the toilet paper dispenser always at your stinking ankles? <laughs> Uh, how it, you have to reach up and have like plastic man arms to get up and reach into that sharp jagged thing, and you pull out one square and you pull out another square, and I feel like Seinfeld. I haven't got a square to spare. Guess what? I can't even get a hold of a friggin'
0: square. So I That's wonder. Why, Rob. Uh, but let me tell you the method that I use. If I have to use toilet paper, if I'm in that situation, you go behind yourself and you grab the toilet seat covers. Ooh. Yeah, you use that. Because I- I've been in certain situations, not in Walmart, of course, because they always have toilet paper for some reason, but other public restrooms where the roll that you can get to is completely gone. But there's a roll right above it, and yeah. I never know how to get that roll down. I don't know if you can <laughs> without the key, but just reach behind you and you can use the, the toilet Covers the, the the paper ones.
2: That's some forward thinking, right there.
0: <laughs> I'm just Rob. a genius. I'm just a genius, Rob. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, <laughs> you are. Right now, I am I am bowing
3: to you. <laughs> <the semester. laughs> that whole conversation was something straight out of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> oh. my, my rule is just not to use public bathrooms <laughs> and hold it until you get. So, so what if you um, really have to go? It's a real real emergency. You know what? That did happen when I was waiting in line for episode three. <laughs> oh. I had Taco Bell right before I went online, and that was the
1: uh-huh. mistake. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was your downfall, and then you lost your place in line, and you had to go all the way in the back, right? Well, no, I was there with other people. So. Oh, okay.
2: And I'm the guy in the public bathroom. I don't use my hands to flush. I use my foot. You know, I, I'm at least courteous. I'm not like some of these heathens that don't bother flushing the toilet ever, yeah. but I'll I'll use my foot, I'll use an elbow, but I ain't touching yeah. nothing.
3: And even when they don't touch it, I still wash my hands for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. I'm I'm borderline like Jerry, like, oh, my shoelace touched the floor. Yeah, Oh, throw on that Savior. pair of shoes out. <laughs> Savior. <laughs> so I just wondered if, if I was the only one that just get, gets annoyed. Like one engineer sits there and goes, yeah, yeah. Toilet dispenser needs to be at your ankles because I guarantee at home that toilet dispenser is right up at arm's length. (laughs) Now, do you also think, like George, the stall should go
3: all the way down to the floor where you can't see your feet?
2: (laughs) We have stalls at uh, work that the doors are horrible. Somebody is inevitably going to open the door Uh, on you while while you're there, and it just annoys the crap right out of me, no pun intended. (laughs) But... If there are if the doors don't go all the way down before you open the door and everybody that works there knows this why don't you look to see what my feet are if you see my shoes there guess what don't open the door because you know the stall door's broken so like I'm sitting there like oh sorry I'm like well if you've opened the door you might as well come in we should chat
0: <laughs> yeah. well at least there is doors because. I mean, I don't know about the beaches on the mainland, but over here, I mean, I mean, if you go to the more tourist beaches, there's doors. But if you go to the ones, you know, in the boonies, the the city is taking the doors off of the stalls because a lot of drug addicts were going in there and using them. So. That just completely rules out me using a public restroom at the beach over here, because, wow. I mean, it's... Who would that? What do you that? do? Yeah. yeah, like, what do you do? Do you have, like... Or here's what you do. You take off your pants or your swim shorts, and you kind of hold it up in front of you. I don't know if that'll work, but you you don't have any pants on. You use your beach that. towel. That's what you use. <laughs>
2: hey, I wonder, what, I wonder if that's what Terrence is doing right now. <laughs> I
0: bet you he is, Terrence. You're holding a beach <laughs>
2: I cannot wait to ask him. So, Terrence, you want to hear about your vacation? How did you go to the bathroom? <laughs> he did get that
3: brand new Batman beach
2: cell. Oh yeah. You don't know want to ruin it.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, the toilet dispenser is down around my ankles. And there's no seat covers. I guess this will do. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, we really went off the,
3: oh, <laughs> the side We're of the road so on this one. Uh, <laughs>
2: um, I'm sorry. This is totally my fault.
0: Uh, but, yeah, quite funny. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That that's what this is what the bat fans is about. It's not about it's not all about Batfans. <laughs> no, this is
3: this is what the bat fans are about pants is all about. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so I was to get back into this. I just don't know how. Okay, I, I'll just um, you just transition. <laughs> yeah. All right. So after that lengthy conversation about our bathroom habits and uh, terrible bathrooms that we've had to use in desperate, desperate moments. Did you guys have any more thoughts about a bad Batman movie? I think we got uh, some pretty horrible ideas out there.
2: <laughs> any more horrible, they might actually come true. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's, uh, speaking of, like, not, not horrible or anything, but do you think at this point, honestly, that they could cast somebody, realistically cast somebody where you go, oh, my gosh, I, I cannot look at that actor as Batman at all? I... I honestly think I don't think they can screw this up. I uh, I don't know if that's yeah, just my gut. Yeah,
3: they uh, can, uh, but my whole thing now is, ever since Heath Ledger, I'm never questioning a casting choice until I actually see the movie. That was a
2: uh, I want to call it a podcast. It's a video cast. Um, and I think it was AMC has one on YouTube that they. Uh, we're talking right after uh, the San Diego Comic-Con announcement came out. And uh, one of the hosts said, I want everybody to do a favor. He's like, whenever they announce who Batman is, he's like, don't freak out. He's like, because for every person that freaked out about Heath Ledger, that person said, well, I thought from the beginning Heath Ledger was going to be good. He's like, no, you <laughs> didn't. You. So he's like, you know, take a minute and breathe and go. All the forces that are there, they're looking at a particular actor and they're thinking, we see Batman in this person or we see the Joker in this person. So he's like, wait till we see the images of the person in the Batman outfit before we, you know, start throwing stones at people for saying, oh, that's horrible. Because, you know, that's going to be the next thing that's going to happen, that they're going to announce somebody, I would think, before too long, you know. Yeah, by the end of the
1: year, I would think.
2: Yeah, I I would think by Christmas it'll be safe to say that we will know who Batman is. And uh, there's going to be people that are going to go, that's a horrible choice. And then I think those people are going to be eating a lot of crow once
0: the movie's out. Yeah, but the problem with that kind of thought or thinking is what if they cast the guy from the Facebook movie? Army Hammer. As Batman. No, no, not Army Hammer, the the main star. I can't remember his name. Oh. um, He was in that Now You See Me movie. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw the movie, it was actually pretty good, anyway. Even that, like... What if they cast him? Um, he doesn't look the part at all. He doesn't have yeah. a body for it. Yeah, but, he- but... look
2: at Michael Keaton, though. Michael, People were up in arms about Mr. Mom being Batman. You know, how can Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice be Batman? So people were saying, "Oh, I can't see Michael Keaton in a role uh, as Batman at all. And then people still hold Michael Keaton as the greatest Batman. So... I, I guess I'm one of those that they're really going to have to make a wrong choice, and I think DC Comics as a whole is not going to let them do that, or Warner Brothers. So I'm with you there with that one, Rob. I mean, it's
3: going to have to be some, so drastic, like in the stuff we, we were talking about in our worst ideas, like Sylvester so Stallone or John Stalos. <laughs> yeah. That would have to get you really questioning it. And it,
2: it'll be that moment once we see that person in the. Batman cowl, everybody will go, oh, okay. Yeah. And I hope I hope it's somebody that doesn't have a, a decent history in making, you know, movies that you can't go, oh, that's the person from, you know, The Lone Ranger, you know, or they're that person's tied to something that you will always see them as that. I hope it's, you know, maybe like a Christian Bale that has minimal work that you kind of go, oh, that's the guy from The Lord of the Flies, you know, that type of thing.
3: Well, if it is someone from The Lone Ranger, I don't think you have to worry about people recognizing him for that, because not too many yeah. people saw
0: it. <laughs> Right. Okay, so so how do you defend Brian Boitano as Bruce, Batman? Who? Brian <laughs> Boitano, the figure skater. <laughs> We're talking about actors here. He, he well, was in a couple movies.
2: He was on South Park. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: obviously, <laughs> I, I'm not too familiar with this guy. <laughs> Justin Bieber, how do you defend that? He's, I'm not even sure Gosh. if he's human,
3: so <laughs> like, yeah. how do you put him in the actor category? I'm not even sure he's human. <laughs> or um, Ricky Martin. <laughs> so you bring out musicians. <laughs> well, I can't even call him musicians because I think that's saying giving him too much credit.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> John Leguizamo. <laughs> Uh, He's saying he wants to be the Joker now. That other Spanish actor, uh, he was in The Big Lebowski. He played uh, Jesus. uh, What's his name? Is it like John? John Turturro. Yeah, John Turturro. How do you defend that? (laughs) There are bad actors and bad choices out there, but...
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what was the movie he did with Johnny Depp? where he Oh, played, uh, Secret Window. Yeah, he was kind of played. creepy in that. Yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, he was. So that might not be a
2: total bad stretch. I'm
0: just trying to think. Have I seen him in any other movie? Mr. De- Mr. Mr. Deeds. Mr. Deeds. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Very,
2: very good, long, long fellow Deeds. And I think he was in Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou?
0: Oh, yeah, you're right. He played one of the guys, right? Yeah, the Dusty Pottenborough Boys. Yeah, he's just one of those actors that he's in a lot of movies, but you never notice him. Mm-hmm. Like, Old oh Brother Where Art Thou and Mr. Deeds. I mean, of course, because, like, Mr. Deeds was an Adam Sandler vehicle. And um Old oh Brother Where Art Thou is kind of like a George Clooney vehicle. So, I guess he gets... Just gets kind of lost in the mix, but I was thinking about Morgan Freeman. You know, Morgan Freeman was in The Shawshank Redemption, and you know what? It's a spoiler alert if you haven't seen Shawshank Redemption. If you're the one person that didn't see it on TNT, even though they re- rerun it all day, every day, that all year, be, that would be me. Oh, <laughs> you haven't seen I've never it? Seen it really? No, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen. Wow. You're the one person. Wow. I can't. (laughs) I followed you. Take off
2: off your headphones.
0: (laughs) <laughs> go ahead and spoil it you know how Andy Dufresne tunnels through the entire wall you know he escapes yeah. how did he tunnel through the entire wall if there's a patrol you know um going past like every once in a while while they're all sleeping I mean especially when he got to, I mean I can understand how he did the early part the shallow part but like the deep part how did he crawl into the hole chip away and then crawl back out all the way Especially when he got to the end, because I don't think there's enough time for him to go in, chip away a little bit, go out, and not get caught by the guard.
2: Yeah, but he had that corner cell. I think they even had said in there that just because it was Andy, nobody ever really checked on Andy. Andy was the nice guy. He did all these things, so the guards gave him a lot of freedom. So I I could see that happening with, with his character, that he's got time to tunnel out, come back in. He had that big poster and I would assume that he probably bunched some pillows together to make it look like he's sleeping, so...
0: I don't know. I'm calling BS on that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, uh,
2: Would you guys like to see uh, Michael Caine reprise his role, or Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox and Alfred in a, a new Batman movie, but it not be tied into the Nolan universe, or should those characters both be recast... As well.
3: Christian Bale's not in it, then they don't need to be in it.
2: It would just be
0: a cruel reminder that, oh, they're here, but Christian Bale's not. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, I agree with Tim, because, I mean, it'd just be kind of hard to explain away. Yeah. I mean, if they even do. I mean, they they could just be like, okay, here's Alfred, here's Lucius, and not explain anything. So, yeah, I I I think they should just recast those
3: two parts. Alfred needs to have a mustache in the new Batman movies. He hasn't had a mustache in any of the Batman movies.
2: I would like to see him a mustache with a little bit of a comb over. Make him... Yeah. (laughs) That's what I really hope out of this Batman, is that they make it look comic book. Yeah. Close to act. I mean, Superman's costume is very new, 52-ish, and I would think that that's what they would try and do with Batman. I don't know if you guys have seen the image or not, but there is a Batman porn... <laughs> that is out where the costume uh, it looks like it's from Arkham uh, City and Arkham Asylum. That whoever's doing this, there's a couple images uh, out there just like this. The shot of this person whoever's playing Batman. But the suit looks amazing. I'm like, wow, you know, the porn industry can pull off a, a really good comic Rob, book.
0: Rob, at least we really, really know what you're doing. with you spare time? No, this was actually
2: on a, a, Batman, okay, yeah, a sure. Batman site. Yeah, sure, okay. Rob.
0: Yeah, sure, sure, Rob. Just play it off. It's, I saw it on a Batman site. Oh, no, I didn't actually see it. <laughs>
2: Uh, that moment where you realized I should have stopped talking was the moment I opened <laughs> my mouth.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I guess that's our featured topic for this for this episode. It's a long featured topic, but nobody else is doing it. <laughs> nobody <laughs> can guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, skipping from the funny stuff and talking about the serious and sad stuff. Unfortunately, Michael and Sarah, the voice of... Um, Mr. Freeze has sadly passed away but he had a hell of a life. I think he was like 91. late 80, 90. 91? Yeah. Oh wow. So he had one hell of a life and you know he did he did a lot of cool stuff. I mean he, he did the Star Trek and of course he did Mr. Freeze and uh, and pretty much the Mr. Freeze that I hear in my head every time I read a Mr. Freeze comic And, oh, yeah. and, and it's like that for all the characters pretty much from the the Batman animated series. And it's just one of those voices, and, and it's just the way he does it, that it's it's going to be hard to replace. I mean, it's a one-of-a-kind kind of thing. It's kind of like Mark Hamill's Joker. I don't think anybody can replace Mark Hamill's Joker. A, lo- a lot of people have come close, but I just don't think Mr. Freeze will be the same without him.
3: Yeah, totally agree. I mean, I've, there have been several examples of that already. And the, the Batman cartoon, I think it was uh, Clancy Brown, who did his voice. who It just sounds like he does his, like, sleuth Thor, so that sounded kind of weird. The other one from Arkham City was pretty good. I believe that was, uh, I hope I'm saying his name, Maurice Lamarche, who does uh, Brain from Peaky in the Brain. Yeah. He did pretty good as Mr. Freeze. But yeah, like you said, Dan, it's kind of like the same thing with Hamill and Conroy, Batman Joker, because no one's ever going to top Michael
0: and Sarah Mr. Freeze. It's another dead-on casting for that. Yeah, yeah it's pretty much been defined yeah. by Michael and Sarah. Yeah. And he really brought, at
2: least for me, Mr. Freeze was always one of those villains for me. Like, oh, that was kind of... He's an okay villain, but it wasn't until the animated series and just hearing that that low, chilly voice and it's almost in monotone uh, that made me fall in love with the Mr. Freeze character where he became one of my favorite villains. And recently, I said recently, it's probably been a year now, but listening to uh, Mark Hamill on the uh, Fat Man on Batman where he was talking about going into the role of the Joker and being in the studio while he was in there uh, listening to him do uh, the Mr. Freeze and then keep telling him, you know, uh, less emotion, less emotion, yeah. Try to make it just this real cold, you know, unthoughtful, and it just it was actually one of my favorite performances, and I actually like it. As great as Mark Hamill is, I think Mr. Freeze kind of wins it out just a little bit. Is just as crazy as Mark Hamill can get it. For Mister Freeze to have zero emotion, uh, I think it was just played beautifully. So I, I was a little sad, you know, reading that.
0: As interesting as you know his um his monotone as Mister Freeze is, I watched Heart of Ice last night, and I mean maybe it's just me, but I find something so intriguing about his voice in in the part where. You know, um, Mark Hamill comes in <laughs> and, um, you know, it's like, hey, you're using – he says something like, you're using my property to do your experiments. Yeah. And, he, you know, he's pleading with uh, Ferris Boyle to stop, just stop. He's begging him. And there's, there, there's something so intriguing about that, especially when you compare it to the Mr. Freeze monotone and the, the whole overarching emotions, I guess you could call it, that you feel during the – the episode, and I, f- I feel that it's not something that gets enough attention because I mean I was struck by that. I, I mean it's something that I never really thought about, but there's there's something about it that you know going from the monotone to this this plea, you know, th- th- there's so much emotion in his voice, you know, when he's trying to convince Ferris Boyle to let him use his equipment and to help him save his wife or whatever. That's just so striking to me.
3: Yeah, what's funny is that what you were saying earlier, Rob, about how they kept telling him, like, No will have less emotion, less emotion. Like, the character was to be dead to emotion when he was doing the part. To me, even though they got that across where he is someone who's dead to emotion, I still feel emotion from him when he's talking, even as Mr. Freeze. Oh, in certain yeah. Scenes. It's like, that's what's so great about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the scene you were talking about, Dave, Yeah, that's like, a great job of his performance there. But one that sticks out for me was uh, one of the Batman Beyond episode, Meltdown. It's where, it's at the very end, and pretty, Mr. Freeze is pretty much beaten, and like their whole, like just the building's gonna explode, the reactor's gonna go off, and Terry tries to, to save him, like, hey, we gotta get out of here, Freeze, and he just says, like, in a defeated way, like, just leave me, like, believe me, you're the only one who cares about me, and then he just, like, just go and leave me be, and he just, like, traps himself in a sheet of ice, and it's pretty much killing himself, allowing Terry to escape. was so, like, that was the last time we ever saw the animated incarnation of Mr. Freeze, and so that last sequence there was, I thought, was the perfect way to send off the character because they made it look like he died. But the, that line he says, "Where you're the only one who cares about me," just like that sums up pretty much his whole life without Nora. Like there's nobody out there who cared about him except her. And then I just love that how he delivered that line of that sequence. And just this whole story arc in Batman Beyond is truly one. I mean, Batman the animated series through Batman Beyond, it just. One of the great character arcs in the whole series, I think. And
0: well, it's, it's almost the defining character arc in the, in the whole Batman Deanimated Series run. True, actually. yeah.
2: It's, it's one of those that, out of all the villains, you're like, if he was just allowed to continue to do the work to try and save Nora, he would have lived a nice, honest man and probably would have done great wonders for, you know, Gotham City Medical and, you know, all these things but just because somebody was money-hungry and going to shut down the, uh, the experiment caused him to be this villain, and, you know, he's having to commit all these crimes and do all these things out of love, and uh, it kind of makes you look at it like at what lengths you will go to to save the ones that you love and things like that that... Um, I'm trying to remember the line, you know, Batman ends up saying, you know, in in that episode where he almost kind of feels sympathetic towards, you know, Mr. Freeze. So, yeah, like you guys said, it's one of the best arcs in the whole animated
0: series. Mr. Freeze's last monologue in um, Heart of Ice is just so heartbreaking. (laughs) It's so heartbreaking. He's like... You know, I couldn't save you, but maybe one day we'll meet again. It was like, oh, just the perfect way to end an episode. And, you know, that's not the only example of of Mr. Freeze's story arc, as as Tim pointed out. I mean, there was also the movie, which was really good, and a a couple episodes here and there. I think there was even a follow-up to Heart of Ice.
3: Yeah, it was only in three
0: episodes. Yeah, yeah.
3: Heart of Ice, Deep Freeze at the end of the original run of Batman the Animated Series, and then cold comfort for the new Batman adventures. And then, mm-hmm. of course, Sub-Zero, and then
0: Meltdown for Batman Beyond. Sub-Zero is kind of an underrated movie, just like Phantasm is, right?
3: No, Phantasm is pretty high regarded
0: in, I guess, the Batman fan community. But I think you're right about Sub-Zero.
3: I don't think that gets as much recognition as it should, because yeah. it is a yeah. Good movie. Yeah, I,
2: I like that a lot. And I remember hearing that that was supposed to be the br- – if, if you watch all of the animated series – Chronologically, that is supposed to be the last movie or the last yeah. animated thing before it switches over into uh, the new Batman Adventures, where you know Dick becomes Nightwing right at that breaking point and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, I think that's really an underrated movie. it's one that I still put in and watch today.
3: Yeah, that actually gave Mr. Freeze kind of a happy ending at the mm-hmm. end. It's like the Mr. Freeze bad luck continues as we find out in the new Batman adventures where it's like, yeah, he was able to save his wife, but then again, he never saw her. So she remarried and then that causes Mr. Freeze to go over on the deep end. So it's yeah. like, as soon as things go good for him, they just end up
0: going bad. Can't catch a break. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then... You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Batman and Ron and just spoiled <laughs> all, all of the good that the Batman animated series. It's like, dangling. why did they even bother attempt
3: to use that storyline?
2: <laughs> I have such a big confession. I don't know <laughs> what possessed me to buy it. I don't know if I was <clears throat> excuse me, trying to talk myself in that the movie was so good. I must have been get caught up into the Batman fever. but I bought the uh, behind-the-scenes, like, making-of book. I always used to like to get all those books. I have, yeah, a Phantom, yeah. I have a Phantom Menace book and Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Those big page books where you get to see all the artwork and stuff. And I remember hearing an interview on Entertainment Tonight with Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about uh, how he shaved his head for the role. And then I get to flip him through the book. I'm like, he didn't shave his head. He's wearing a bald cap. That liar. <laughs>
0: Couldn't even do that for the movie, huh? Yeah. Does he still have his eyebrows? I've never consciously looked at if he still has his eyebrows or if he shaved them off. It wouldn't surprise me if they
3: just covered it with makeup or something. Yeah. (laughs) Like
0: Cesar Romero's mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Clung to that mustache, even though hair regrows. (laughs) Yep. Um... So, yeah, uh, sad news that Michael and Sarah died. Um, yeah, but he definitely left his mark in the Batman. Oh, yeah, for he sure. Did. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I guess we can move on to some happier news, if we have any. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, before we get to the good one, how about we do the one that's kind of all right, and uh, let's talk about the Arkham Origins, multiplayer mode. But before we get to that, you guys remember that online game uh, in the DC universe? Um, It's supposed to be coming out. Infinite Crisis? Uh, Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Infinite Crisis. My cousin played that game, and he said it's terrible. It didn't look good to me. (laughs) Yeah, he said it was terrible, terrible, terrible. Like, he, he, of course, played all the characters, and he said he... Just couldn't get into it And he's the one that Kind of likes that That kind of game So Yeah that was the yeah, one I might, wasn't planning on playing anyway, Yeah you but. might not <laughs> no. Want to pick that one up <laughs> <laughs> Good to know but, My um... suspicions were confirmed <laughs> Yeah But for the Batman Arkham Origins Multiplayer mode um, hopefully, this one is better. Yeah. This is
2: actually the bit of news I'm really stoked about.
0: Yeah, I mean, that? Let, go ahead, Rob. <laughs> You'll probably uh, show, share your excitement more than I Yeah. Uh,
2: I got invited by the Arkham Origins uh, community to. Uh, they, they sent out, a, the, I shouldn't say, it, it was probably a mass email, but to people that signed up through Arkham Origins uh, group uh, board to be a beta tester of the multiplayer. And had I got off work 15 minutes early, I would have been a beta tester. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. And I missed it by six people. (laughs) Six. So, um, and you had to uh, sign a... Uh, disclosure waiver, that you weren't going to talk about it, you weren't going to film any footage, which is really funny because you can go onto YouTube and different things and people are putting up stuff and they're getting taken off left and right. So there is a possibility of, as people are getting kicked off that they still need beta testers, so I could still sneak in. So then after a while, if you guys were to ask me about it, I'll say, nope, got nothing to say. That's your hint that I'm testing it. <laughs> <laughs> You just so, need
3: six people to get
2: kicked off. Then. I need six people to get kicked off. So I I thought that was uh, really cool. Uh, it, the premise behind it looks, I, I think, looks really cool. Some people are kind of complaining about it, that people are saying it's really hard to be Batman and Robin. You're getting your butt handed to you. But uh, people are looking at it as... You know, it's so much easier to play Batman in the game. I'm like, of course it is, because the game, it sets different variables. You do this, and this happens. Well, you're playing with, you know, live people. And uh, I saw a couple guys that were Batman and Robin, and uh, they were both working very well together stealthily. They were talking through headsets together, and they were just taking out people left and right. It, it, just, it looks really cool, and plus seeing the skins, that are available right now, and seeing a Tim Drake skin uh, that's comic book accurate <laughs> really has me <laughs> excited. Plus, it looks like they're pulling uh, skins from uh, Arkham City uh, into the game. All, you know, like the uh, Sinestro Corps Batman, uh, Red Robin, uh, uh, the Arkham City Robin. Animated, it, series it, animated Series Robin and Batman. Animated Series Robin and Batman, Batman Incorporated suits, plus I think all of the other uh, skins that are coming out as DLCs will be available. And That also makes me think that all those skins will also be able to be used in challenge map uh, mode. And uh, right before the podcast, I was watching a different level because I think uh, – there's just been one that's floating around on the internet, and this one kind of reminded me of the GCPD building in uh, Arkham City, but this one seemed a lot higher. Uh, so um, I, I think this is going to be pretty cool. Uh, but it would have been nice to be able to test it, you know, <laughs> ahead of uh, getting the game out, but the, I guess the window was only, the beta test was only, I think, two weeks, I think, um, if that. It had a, had a real short test run, so... Uh, Like, next week's the last week. I'm
3: excited for multiplayer mode, but the direction that kind of went was kind of took me by surprise as far as what type it's going to be. Because it's like two, like, there's three teams. It's like two on two versus, like, or like three against each other, something like that, where there's two bad guys, two groups of bad guys, and then you're Batman and Robin
2: trying to take it Yeah, so it's three versus three versus two. But I I wonder if that's, I can't believe that would be all that it is. It'd be kind of cool to think, okay, Dane, you and I are going to get together, and we're going to get in a like a normal uh, arena mode, and the two of us are going to have to fight, uh, you know, just computer generated bad guys.
3: Yeah, that's actually kind of what I'm hoping for too. I think that'd be really cool, having a, a partner in the challenge rooms and the stealth missions. That'd be really yeah really fun.
2: Um, I, I'm just kind of hoping that this is this is one part of the multiplayer, and then as we get closer, they're going to start saying, "Oh, you can do this, or you can do this." Because if you think about it, you're going to have so many people wanting to play. They're going to have to do like an Injustice God's Among Us thing where you're setting up so many different rooms that, you know, because that's what, six, uh, seven, eight people can only play at one time. So that would be a whole, you know, online community just sitting there waiting for eight people to be done playing so the next round can get in. So I think it's going to have to be a whole bunch of different rooms set up. Okay, we'll take these eight people and these eight people or just different types of things that you can do. So I, at least I think that's a step in the right direction, and people think it's going to ruin the gameplay of the standalone story, I don't think that's going to happen at don't like all. It. It's just, don't play it. <laughs> yeah. Same. If you don't like it, don't yeah. play it. Exactly. But... but
3: I would really think it would be great if they did a co-op, like, story mission mode where it's like the single player, but you have a co-op partner to play with. That may have it separate. It's like a co-op mode for – that's part of the story, like a side story or something. That'd yeah. Not my ultimate
2: <laughs> multiplayer mode.
0: So, Rob, how, how come the, the beta thing is so short? It, Are they going to
2: – It's short enough that – they have to have everything wrapped up by October for, I mean, because there'll, there'll be patches in games that, okay, this isn't working, but they're trying to go through as many of the bugs and glitches as they can and, and fast as they can so they can have a pretty well flushed out system, and hopefully there won't have to be any patches um, once the game comes out. So they'll set up these... You, you would get a password and you would go on and log in. I think there are set times like, you know, 1 to 3 p.m. and then uh, 7 to 9, they kind of set up these blocks for you to kind of go in and then you would get a prompt window that says uh, what what did you encounter or what things could be improved and you would get some things to select and you can type in an email and give you know, your username and stuff like that. And I think all those people are getting a little extra perks, too. And then you would get, like, uh, you could read the back of the thing. It says, Rob Myers, uh, beta tester. So that would have been kind of cool. But
3: uh, I also think, too, that for these big titles, the time frame for these beta tests seemed to be pretty short, too. Because I remember back for uh, when Halo Reach came out, I got into that. And that was pretty, like, short. I think it was only a week or two, and then it was gone. <laughs> like, you couldn't play it anymore. So I just think the bigger the title, probably the less time you're going to have to be on the beta does. Yeah. Oh, I see. But,
0: uh, but ho- hopefully, Rob, that you'll you'll get on and you can tell us all about it and break <laughs> your um, NDA and get sued by yeah. Warner
3: Brothers Interactive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the question is, what systems are you guys going to play it on? Uh, PS3. Uh, uh, <laughs> probably uh, uh,
0: PC or PS3. <laughs> see,
3: I have a PS3, but I have an Xbox two and... I'm one of those people who's obsessed with achievements, so that's where all my the games I usually play are on the Xbox 360 because of my achievement score, and I'll probably end up playing Arkham on
2: there, too. <laughs> well, and I always look at it like I've played Xbox a little bit, but I go, why pay for the online service You know, when you can come over to Sony and play it for free? <laughs> you know? Because Xbox
3: Live, well, it, it was way better, but since the PS3's life cycles, they kind of added stuff to catch up to what makes Xbox Live so good. But yeah. before, it was way better. But maybe to, if the price goes down, I'll get it cheaper on the PS3, and if we're still playing, we can play together.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I, I still play Arkham Asylum on Arkham City, so it, this is going to have a good replay factor for me. So if uh-huh. you ever get a hold of it, let me know, and I'll gladly jump in. We can bust heads together.
3: <laughs> I'm finding a lot of the people that I talk to or interact with a lot more PS3 gamers. <laughs> I'm like the only one who's using it on Xbox.
0: PS3 is better, but in my opinion, because I mean, it comes with a Blu-ray player. Yeah, and right there. Yeah, but, like it does. Like I had an Xbox 360, and the thing, like I guess it overheat heats like oh, yeah. <laughs> I've one so the free system. Yeah, so so like I tried to take it back to um, uh, the GameStop, but then I I guess I didn't buy. They, they have like an insurance thing, but yeah. it's only for like a certain amount of time. Yep. So I couldn't do anything with it, so I just pretty much just threw it away because <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. And, and PS3 has better games, and it has like a lot of exclusive games to it.
2: Well, and that and with – just talking Arkham Origins – uh, PS3 gets the exclusive Adam West skin and the Jean Paul Valley Asbat skin that you know Xbox. I mean, eventually you can probably go to the Xbox store once they you know release it for everything. But you know, the us PS3ers will get the that exclusive skin first. And I was never one of those that you know is like, oh, the Xbox sucks, and you know ps is better, I I just kind of look at it, hearing a friend of mine say his son is on his fourth Xbox, and I'm like, seriously? I said, I still have my original PS3, and it is running like a champ. You know, I would have, like, the first time, the second time I would have taken that thing back in, I'd have been, I'm done. <laughs> uh you're making the inferior product. Uh, if the wheels kept falling off your car, I don't think you would drive it anymore. <laughs> that's what a friend of mine has said. <laughs>
3: yeah. Like I said, I went through like three of them, but now I have an R2D2 Xbox, and that's been working fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, a cousin uh, has that. Or actually, it's my cousin's brother.
0: All right. So while we're on the topic of Xboxes and PlayStation 3s and R2D2, <laughs> um, yeah, that'll lead us into our next topic, which is the Flashpoint paradox. <laughs> they go together perfectly. Yeah, they meld together perfectly. You know, uh, the paradox is kind of related to, um, you know, R two's uh, machined parts. It and, could
2: be uh, it could be related to the Xbox overheating, and then you have to get another one, and then you take it home, and it overheats. You have to get another one. You take it home, <laughs> and it overheats. <laughs>
0: An endless time loop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So um, I'm sure we've all watched it, right? Oh yeah. Yep. And uh, I should say spoilers if you haven't seen or read the Flashpoint um, comic or you haven't seen the the movie, you might want you might not want to listen to this part right now, and you might want to watch it and come back to this part. So I loved this animated movie. I I didn't expect it to be this good. Uh, For one thing, I I haven't read the Flashpoint series yet. And so a lot of stuff was kind of a surprise to me. Um, I I, I didn't know about um, Aquaman and Wonder Woman. And I I didn't know that that was what started the war. So everything was a complete surprise to me. And maybe that's why I like it. um, But it was also the performances. I mean, Kevin McKidd as Thomas Wayne. Yeah. I... (laughs) I didn't think uh, he was going to be that good. I mean, I thought it was just going to be a cheap uh, Kevin Conroy ripoff. But uh, it w- man, it was good. And Kevin McKidd, he has a really thick Irish accent, and he covered it really good. And he, I mean, it, just his voice—it was—it was gravelly, and it was just the right tone for for Thomas Wayne, who turned into an alcoholic. And uh, beat people up. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, I liked it overall. I mean, especially that last scene. I mean, that last scene was, yeah, I was perfect. Uh, I, Kevin Conroy just nailed that that part. I mean, they just I just loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, as a Batman fan, I mean, that's, like, how could you not love that
3: scene? <laughs> because it's something yeah. you've never really seen before, Batman shedding tears. But you would, it's totally something you would expect him to do in that moment. I mean... The way it was written and the way, like you said, Daniel, Kevin Conrad uh, did his performance, which is pitch perfect. Like, one of the coolest Batman scenes out there, animated or live action. I mean, it was, yeah. it was great in the comics, but then seeing it brought to life like that or brought to animated life like that it was just really cool to see. They did an awesome job on that sequence.
0: Yeah, it's almost like the entire movie was built up to that moment i mean kind yeah of like that for, for, from a Batman fan's point of view
3: but i gotta say probably that moment's awesome it probably is the, one of the stand-up moments of the movie but the scene that probably stuck out to me the most out of the whole movie was when barry allen was getting that whole history of the timeline as his memories and we see the image of bruce wayne as a kid lying dead on the floor and then we see thomas wayne beating up joe chill and then we see his mom crying over him then she lifts up her face laughing maniacally and has that blood smeared over her, over her mouth as a Joker smile. I mean, that's something that really stood out to me. Just the fact of seeing Bruce lying there dead as a little kid, <laughs> something just weird seeing that as, like, hardcore Batman fans seeing it, that night play out that way, it really stood out to me as something like, yeah, it's just so strange, but yet it works so good in the movie. Yeah,
0: and another thing, too, was, um, I mean, I didn't really get this until after I finished the movie, but, um, you know, Flash went back in time, To save his mom, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, right before he goes um, and tries to stop himself from doing that, he says something to the effect of everybody's going to die. You can't save everyone. And he saves everyone except for the one person that he went back in time to save, which was his mom. I just found that kind of striking and ironic at the end that he he couldn't save the one person that he wanted to save. Well, he knew he couldn't couldn't save everybody else. Yeah, yeah, you can't so that's see- the whole
3: point of it. His yeah selfish act by saving her caused all this mess, and he had to let her go, so to speak, in order to put everything back to normal. Yeah. But what I, what
2: I liked is once he's in the new Fifty Two present, he is telling Batman that you know he's got all the He still has all the memories. He remembers the birthday parties and has these experiences with his mom, but his mom isn't there anymore. So he said everything back and Batman's comment was almost like a backhanded like, well, geez, that must be nice. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a mom. I don't have a dad. You know, you know, you got to have, you know, a 10th, 12th, 11th, 13th, 14th, 15th birthday party. They're not here. You still have those memories. You know, that must be some kind of gift. So (laughs) just how Kevin Conroy delivered that line I thought was just great, too, of like, gee, thanks for rubbing salt into the wound.
0: (laughs) It's kind of funny how um, Barry's kind of a mama's boy in in the past or whatever, or in alternate timeline. It seems like he lives with his mom. He never met Iris. (laughs) His mom just takes care of him. Yeah. I was going to say, the one thing
3: that I wish was – in the movie that was from the comic was right before he goes back in time to stop himself from saving his mom is he has that one last conversation with his mother saying how he has to do this. And like, she's kind of telling like it's okay and how, how much of a struggle it was for him to go back and stop himself from saving his mother. So I thought that worked really well in the comic, but I mm-hmm. can see why they probably had to cut it for time constraints. Cause it was actually Probably one of the longer DC animated movies, though. So.
2: But to me, that that's actually kind of a poor choice to cut out. That, that is the whole reason that he went back to begin with, so I I felt a little cheated that we didn't get that yeah, the, that that scene at all. They, they could have cut a minute and a half out of a fight sequence and given us that extra, you know, minute and a half of dialogue. So that I guess that was a, a negative I had with it, that your whole sole purpose for the Flash is going back, and bam, he off and runs, and doesn't go and have one last second with his mother.
3: Yeah, I haven't watched that with the commentary. I've been meaning to. I think Terrence, the same in the email he said about uh, how the commentary Jeff Johns was saying how they tried to convey that part when he was up the her grave site again at the end. He, yeah, And he actually said, Jeff Johns mentioned that the movie version worked better, but I don't agree, like you said, Rob. That moment in the comics where he's actually speaking to his mother I thought would have worked a lot
2: better. I'm about halfway through the commentary uh, track of it, so I haven't got, um, I think I'm just at about the big the war is just about ready to happen. Okay.
0: So. Yeah, that war is pretty cool, too. I mean, just, yeah, just yeah. the way it's executed. I mean, uh, Jay Oliver, I mean, he knows how to put together uh, an action, se- a big action sequence. I mean, we've seen it in The Dark Knight Returns, and, you know, he just improves on himself with this one.
2: Even storyboarded Man of Steel, too.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He did. Uh,
2: I'm having, I haven't pulled out my Flash... I only have the main Flashpoint uh, issues, and then the side Batman... Uh, was uh, Aqualad, did he look like that in the comics from, like, Young Justice? Was that a nod to Young Justice, or did he look like that in the Flashpoint era? Or was he in it at all? So was that a, just...
3: I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he was just put in there for the movie, because I don't remember seeing him in the main Flashpoint okay. series, and I didn't get the Aquaman tie-in. So maybe he wasn't there, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't in the main Flashpoint series. Because I don't that, remember seeing him.
2: Uh, and I know that he worked on... Uh, Jay Alville worked on some Young Justice stuff, so I, I wonder if that was just a nice nod. Because I was watching it, like, oh, that kind of looks like Aqualad. Then he's using the water bearers. And I'm like, man, that is Aqualad from Young Justice. So that that kind of made me smile a little bit that he threw a couple of those things there. And in the commentary track, they talk about uh, Black mana being in there, that he was going to have dialogue, but they said it, it was so cool to have him be like the Stormtrooper of the whole bunch, you know that <laughs> he, he was just this menacing force. That he was the enforcer. That kept referring to him as the stormtrooper uh, in there. That uh, he was supposed to have one part of dialogue that said, "You know what? Let's let's not have him do anything." So I thought that was kind of funny that they were referring to him as the stormtrooper. or So
3: yeah, I really like what they did with Superman too, in both the Flashpoint comic and in the movie. Just how what would happen if he was taken by the government and being this? Grunny, thin. Looks gross. Yeah, just like seeing Superman like that. But I just love how he comes back to the battlefield in the movie where he just tears off Aquaman's arm with his laser beam. That didn't happen in the comics, but I really like how it was in the movie.
0: So, so let me ask you guys, since you guys seem to have read the 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 comics, was the real real reason behind the war because Aquaman had an affair with Wonder Woman? and Wonder Woman killed Aquaman's wife. I
3: know for sure it was the reason why they're at war was because of uh, Wonder Woman killing Mera, Aquaman's wife. That was the reason. But as far as the affair, I'm assuming yeah. that was probably told in the Aquaman miniseries. But since I haven't read it, I'm not 100% sure. But I'm the it would, same way. It would make sense if, oh. if that was. Man, I, guess,
0: I, I guess I have to read Flashpoint now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I was the same way as you, Dane. I, I was not ex- expecting it to be. I figured it would be decent. Okay, Jay Alvarez, you know, directed it. You know, I, I liked the uh, Dark Knight Returns, but I was just, like, captivated the whole... I, I felt like it was a, a long movie, but it wasn't long to the point. I thought, oh, man, we could have cut five minutes out of this. It, it it went by really fast, but I looked at the clock afterwards, like, man, have I been sitting here for almost two hours? <laughs> you know, um, I, I thought it was done really well. The only... Nitpick that I have is that I don't. I didn't like Wonder Woman's face. She was almost way too borderline Japanese anime. Almost, I know that was kind of the the feel that they were going, but she just looked like way overly done. Her face looked really too skinny. Her eyes were too big, so that like, every time she was on screen, I was kind of like oh, they could have drawn her better, but. That, that was well, my know,
0: only minor i i think it might have been the um, the crown the uh you know what she puts on the crown uh, yeah I, I thought her face looked really small compared to her um her long black hair and her body <laughs> i mean it's she she almost reminded me of a female character from image comics in the 90s yeah she mm-hmm. almost reminded me of that but um, there were some parts where I felt the animation was kind of sloppy. It, it, I mean, especially that first scene where um, where Batman comes in. And there were just a couple of shots where, like, I mean, you knew it was Batman, but it was kind of hard to make him out. I mean, especially with the small ears. I, I know yeah. they kind of... <laughs> and, and the uh, blue. Yeah,
2: yeah. The yeah. blue looked really... It was a cheesy blue. And I was like, it, that, like, the first couple of minutes, I was like, oh, man, Batman doesn't look really good,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, o- overall, I, I mean, I said this before, but I loved it. I didn't expect it to be this good, and I have to read the comics. I mean, I mean, especially, I mean, I didn't read the comics because I don't like this, you know, the timeline kind of thing and you know, quantum mechanics. I mean, I thought it was going to be a quantum mechanics kind of thing, like a like a Grant Morrison uh, kind of book. Whereas, like, I I literally have no no idea what's going on here, um, and. You know that kind of stuff isn't executed very well in comics. I mean, it's not even executed very well in TV shows and novels. It's it's never really clear how stuff is happening. And um, I mean, the only example I can think of is Alan Moore's Watchmen. What he did with Doctor Manhattan. It took it took kind of a while to figure it out, but it was easier to figure out. But this Flashpoint thing is isn't what I thought it would be. <laughs> to put it simply. Uh, So I loved
3: it. Yeah, I had high expectations going into the movie because I loved the comic, and it met him. It really did, except for that one little complaint I had about the scene with Flash's mother. Everything else was just done perfectly. I was real happy with it. And now more than ever, I really want to see a Flash movie, not a Flash TV show. (laughs) One day... Hopefully we get to see him on the base screen because the stuff he can do, that small fight sequence he had with Reverse Flash, that was really cool. I mean, like, man, that'd be awesome to see in live action, but we'll have to settle for TV budget effects now for a while. <laughs> I guess. But yeah, the movie was great.
2: Uh, did any of you guys watch the uh, behind the? I, I'm somebody when I get a movie, I watch the behind the scenes stuff first, and then I watch the movie. Oh, really? I'm
3: uh, yeah. <laughs> the opposite. I watch watching right after.
2: Yeah, uh, I I don't know what it is. I I want to watch the documentaries because it generally. I've already – I did it with The Dark Knight Rises. I saw it in the theater and, you know, all that stuff. So um, I I eagerly want to watch the movie. So I thought, okay, I I want to get all the the behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Did you guys watch any of that at all? Yeah, I watched all of them.
3: I I can't wait for the next movie, Justice League War. So
2: I think I said it earlier. Did you guys – and normally I turn off the DVD once – The credits start rolling, but uh, I was watching it. It was late in the evening. I had to start and stop a couple different times, and my wife had got home from work, so I stopped with the last probably five minutes left to go, Um, and she came home. We were having a little conversation, so I took the DVD out and went into the bedroom and just put it on the TV in there and finished it. So rather than shut it off, we were just kind of sitting there talking, and the screen goes to black. And you get that last little thing. I was like, what was that? And (laughs) I end up rewinding it, and I was like, that was awesome. So uh, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. So like Dane said, if you don't want anything spoiled, uh, you get to see the parademons uh, come out, and that's the start of the New 52 war. Yeah, I
3: actually read about that before I saw it, so, like, I knew beforehand to stay oh. on the budget, so, yeah, that was a
2: pretty cool thing. So,
3: like, like I said, I just can't wait for the next movie because I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, I, like- I even
2: went back and put in uh, The Dark Knight Returns and watched it, <laughs> and fast forwarded through those credits to see, wow, was there a preview for Flashpoint? You know, and uh, I put all, almost all my movies in, and there there was nothing at the end of them, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the first one. <laughs> Hopefully they keep on doing it, though. Uh, how how did you feel about, at least if I'm understanding that right, that they are taking out the Aquaman character out of war and putting in Shazam in his place?
3: Yeah, that was one one disappointing thing I would it because Aquaman did some pretty cool stuff in that story, <laughs> so... Little disappointed that, from what it looks like, he's not going to be in it.
2: Yeah, I'm a big Shazam fan, so that that was cool that he's in there. But mm-hmm. I didn't think I think he could have been added to and not taken away from somebody. Yeah,
3: especially since DC. I know Jeff Johns keeps trying to champion Aquaman as one of these like DC superheroes fans should recognize is that he's not just a joke of the DC, but he's actually a really cool superhero. You think he'd want to? push that in the movie because he did do some cool things on the comic
2: well and even just using Aquaman from Flashpoint yeah I thought he was do. done was done very well and you know Jeff Johns has written Green Lantern he's you know writing Shazam in the backups of Justice League so I could see him wanting to you know shine some more light on Shazam but you know the Aquaman book that's a book I'm currently reading and that's really good so I yeah. would have thought he would want to take out or have taken out a property that he is currently writing. That's kind of seemed, you know, I could see them maybe dropping the flash, but we'll see, I guess.
3: Yeah, we'll see
0: how it all plays out. But needless to say, I'm excited for it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So is that all you guys wanted to see about the Flashpoint Paradox? I'll just say
2: it one
3: more time. It was awesome. (laughs) If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's ranking pretty high up there as one of my favorites of the DC animated movies.
2: Oh, yeah, easily. And if you've seen it once already, Put it in again and see it again. I, I, it's this is one of those that the replay factor is going to be really, really strong for me. It's not going to be something I'm going to, you know, watch once and go. Oh, I haven't seen this in six months. It'll probably be something I'm going to watch, you know, very, uh, very frequently. I have a feeling.
0: All right. So uh, with that, we can finally get into our comic book reviews because Alex has been cheating on us. I feel like a scorned husband or wife or whatever <laughs> it's like how could you Alex I'm not going to take the abuse anymore I'm just going to have to cut you off man sorry that's it but we
2: but we expect to hear you on the next podcast <laughs> yeah, but we to you.
0: yeah so Alex why don't you uh, you know send the Batfans some emails because you're quite frankly the only person that emails us on a regular basis so uh yeah, always two emails now. Oh, yeah yeah, you always two. <laughs> no no three because there's that one time he oh no he did right but but yeah. uh, Terrence kind of screwed that up. <laughs> yeah well, well not scared. screwed it up but <laughs> 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 he uh, he didn't see it so two give us two emails Alex. No we're just playing man we love you we love you like a brother from another mother with a different color. <laughs> <laughs> I was for it to for I know you've been done. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I should just stop. I should just stop doing podcasts. (laughs) I just take this in weird places. Um, But, uh, comic book reviews. Um, For this episode, we're covering the weeks of July 31st and August 7th. And those dates are right, Tim, right?
3: For once, they are right, yes. (laughs) I'm looking at my calendar right now.
0: (laughs) Okay, good. Uh, But, a lot of spoilers. So, if you haven't read the books... You might want to come come back to this spot, because uh, we're going to spoil the crap on. of But for July 31st, we have Batman 8, number 13, Batman Annual, number 2, and Detective (laughs) Annual... I can't believe I screwed that up, Tim. (laughs) Uh, Detective Comics Annual, number 2. For August 7th, we have Batwing, number 23, and Detective Comics, number 20. And our rating scale for this episode is... Of course, going to be uh, times you've used the public restroom and there's no toilet paper. So for July 31st, why don't we go ahead and start off with Batman 8, Number 13? Uh, Rob, what did you think about it? I'll give my
2: thoughts of the issue. Then uh, are, are we going to do like an overall thought of the whole story as well?
3: <laughs> Probably too much to remember all. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: so I, this may just be a mashup. Um, I thought it was. I, I thought it was uh, handled pretty good. Um, I, It kind of had a uh, Dark Knight Rises ending or an Iron Man 3 ending where the hero doesn't get to deliver the final blow to the villain. That's, uh, uh, again, like Dane said, spoilers. Talia is taken out, but not by Batman. Not that I would have expected uh, Batman to kill Talia, but um, that was it. Kathy Kane, yeah, remembering that right? Um, the, I, I that was a complete turn out of left field. I was like, I haven't remembered her being in this series for a very long time. Like I, almost to the point that I was like, really, that that's how we're ending it? So I guess I was a little disappointed on that part of it. Um, but you know, I did like the dialogue between Talia and Batman as they're you know fighting in the Batcave. And uh, we're getting the uh, voiceover. I wasn't sure if it was a voiceover of Commissioner Gordon uh, at first in the first part of the issue. Uh, But where it kind of starts where it kind of ends where the whole uh, story from issue one started with the gravesite. And uh, Bruce is being arrested by the uh, uh, cops. So um, and you get that hint that it sounds like Commissioner Gordon does know who uh, Batman is, but he's not really wanting to entertain the idea or say it to himself for sure that that he knows, and uh, uh, the clever thing I thought Grant Morrison did that is kind of like, you know, Batman's supposed to come back shiny and new and uh, is always supposed to be there and kind of hopes that Batman will return and Kind of pulls out the tie that he's had tucked down in his shirt with the little bat symbol and you know Batman's back and fighting. And then the last panel is you know uh, Rachel Ghoul standing in the nursery with all of these sons of Batmans or all of the Damian clones. So uh, I thought it was an, I thought it was a good ending. It wasn't a an overly great ending. Um, I was kind of reading some stuff leading up the week to that where they were saying the great morse was saying, well, a lot of people are probably going to be, if they were really upset with issue eight with Damien dying and they're really going to be upset with issue 13. So I kind of went into it already expecting uh, to hate it, that he was going to do something that was really going to you know, set me off. Uh, but I, I didn't get that. So I don't know if it was, he was trying to put out a potential fire or make it make, make it seem like it was going to be worse than it actually was. So I guess I was kind of underwhelmed by the ending. Um, But again, it's a Grant Morrison story, so I think with every Grant Morrison story, it's, it's one that you kind of have to read and then reread and go, you know, now that we're at 13 issues, you kind of got to go back and go, okay, so the thing that happened in issue two, I guess finally did get resolved in issue, you know, 13, so... Uh, at least for me, I'm going to give it a solid I- – I'm going to grade it for the whole entire scale. Uh, I'm going to give it four out of five times I've gone to the bathroom at Walmart, and there's been no toilet paper, but it's at my ankles, so I really can't tell if there's any toilet paper in the dispenser or not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim? Yeah, for me, I'd probably sum it up with the word anti-climactic. I thought the ending wasn't that great at all. I mean, it just sort of just – Wrapped up and ended. I mean, like you said, Rob, the fight with Batman and Talia was actually pretty cool. They had some good dialogue. But then, like, there were certain things that, I don't know, kind of bugged me. It didn't make sense. Where Talia has Batman beaten. He's poisoned. But then Jason Todd comes in with, uh, the trigger that she's been looking for the Aurora Boro trigger. Or, I think that's how you pronounce it. But, uh, so she said that's the only way to save Batman is if she has that trigger. So, Jason Todd did the tour. She gives Batman the antidote, but then of course the trigger is a fake. It doesn't work. I think Talia would have been kind of smart enough to realize that they wouldn't so easily just hand over that trigger and let her take over more cities like she did Gotham. And I also thought it was pretty weak of how whole Leviathan was thrown down because Talia tells Batman, um, "Leviathan has orders. If I don't return, they can they will release Gotham if I don't return." So it's like a pretty easy. Uh, way for Leviathan to be defeated. Okay, we don't have to show him get defeated, but we know Talia isn't coming back since she was shot in the head, so they'll release Gotham, and that's how we know Gotham will be okay. So stuff like that kind of bugged me, and then we'll see how long Talia actually stays dead. I'm sure she'll be in a Lazarus pit pretty soon.
2: Well, I I don't know if you were going to bring this up or not, but seeing the two empty graves of Talia and Damian. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And then, yeah, like you said, it was kind of Surprised how she was, was taken out by Kathy Kane. Like you said, we, we got a tease of her in the previous issue of that mystery woman who confronted Nightwing.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But we didn't know who that was. And like you said, she was only in like an is- a few issues way back, which I don't even remember. It was a few years ago. So yeah, I thought her ending was kind of weak. And then, just overall, everything seemed to wrap up pretty conveniently, I would say, where we didn't have to see everything get wrapped up. But we know Leviathan's been taken care of. But there were some good moments, like the sequence where Jim Gordon is talking to Batman and then he asks that question, how long we've been friends. And Bruce says since the beginning, we get that image of Leslie Tompkins and Jim Gordon as a beat cop, standing, comforting Bruce Wayne as his parents were killed. So I like certain things like that, but overall, after all that Grant Morrison has done with Batman, since Batman and son, all the way up to Batman and Robin, RIP now Batman Incorporated. I thought this issue was a little lackluster to be his final Batman a comic story, so and the epilogue with Rachel Ghoul and the Damian clones didn't leave me excited or anything. Going, ooh, I can't wait to see if this is gonna come back to haunt Batman or what Rachel Ghoul has in store for him. it. Was like, yeah, okay, we'll see if we will ever see that again. But overall, I would just give this one. I want to say a two and a half, but I think I'm gonna be generous and give it a three out of five times we use public bathrooms and there has
2: been no toilet paper i'm gonna change my rating real quick i also want to give it a three whole um, <laughs> point I, yeah i mean in just hearing you talk about it and listening to what i said i'm like i, I don't i think i give it a four because it was more like oh he's done you know fine four yay you're good Bye. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was very anti-climactic. So I'm going to change my mind to three.
3: I will say the cover is cool though. It's a great
0: cover. Yeah. All right. So Batman Annual number two. Um, you know, I'll say just right up front that every time there's an annual week, it's like, oh god, it's another annual. How many annuals are we supposed to get? I mean, it, <laughs> that kind of goes against the the word annual because <laughs> it's supposed to be yearly, not every other week or every other month. Um, you know, I'm like, oh, God, I, I don't want to spend $5 on an annual. It's probably going to suck. And um, Scott Snyder just had to go ahead and prove me wrong with uh, Batman Annual number 2 because I felt that... While it is kind of like an off kind of story where it has nothing to really do with anything, of course he nailed it. He, I mean, he nailed it. I mean, I hope we see those two characters again. I, I think uh, the one doc, the, the male intern guy, I, I think he goes unnamed. I don't think he has a name. And I hope I see those two again. I, I hope they help Batman in some way. And, and, and just seeing Batman trying to, um, to escape the ge- uh, Arkham Asylum was really cool. And... I mean, that villain, I mean, I, I would have never expected to see, uh. I mean, I don't even know what she was. I mean, I don't even know what happened to her. Um, she fell into some chemicals like Flash. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, what would there wasn't Flash? any lightning was no trap. Yeah. Yeah, there was no <laughs> lightning. So, um,. It's not really Flash's origin, kind of, but not really. But I would have never expected an old lady who looks irradiated to pose a threat to Batman. And um, what I really liked about this issue was the last scene on, on the roof of Arkham Asylum, where uh, the old lady and Batman are kind of looking at each other, and it, uh, the old lady says something, and Batman just lets her go. I mean, he doesn't let her go, he, he, he lets her go back to her prison cell to live out the rest of her life, even though she still has the assumption that Batman ruined what was supposed to be a therapeutic place, which was Arkham Asylum. And, you know, I've never really thought about that as Arkham Asylum as a... a kind of like a rehab clinic or a, um, yeah. a psychologist's office, where it's like, this is where you come to get better. You know, this is where you come to get over your mental problems or you know, where you can feel safe, and I just thought bringing that fact up is, I mean, Arkham Asylum has been around for a long time, and I've just never thought of it that way. In that way. You know, where it once was a peaceful place, but but now it's just filled with crazy people, and the innocence of Arkham Asylum is lost. And, yeah, I mean, I I just love this issue. I hope we see those two characters again, like I said. And, um... Yeah, just seeing Batman tr- take down all of these barriers that, you know, um, the Arkham staff put up to try to uh, block escapes was, was was just awesome. So, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to give this one a 4 out of 5. Um, and I love the art, too. Uh, this was an artist I've never really heard of. Um, I don't think he's been on any other book. So, that was a nice surprise, too. I mean... D- just to take a step away from Greg Capullo's stuff, because I feel like Greg Capullo's kind of been, not phoning it in, but it just looks different. It doesn't have that same appeal as it did 22, 21 issues ago.
3: You think you're maybe just getting used to it more?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't have that pop or that surprise, you know? So, um, yeah, four or five uh, times that I've been to a Walmart bathroom, and it's been immaculately clean, but there's no toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was just looking through the book as you were talking. The orderly's name is Eric. Oh, Uh, he does have a name. Yeah, it's in, like, the second page, and that's the only time his name is mentioned. And it looks like the story is plotted by Scott Snyder and Marguerite Bennett, which is one of his writing students but the actual written is by Marguerite herself, so um, which kind of makes me wonder. This is kind of like maybe an exercise, or the two of them got together, talked about the plot points, and then she physically wrote the story. So I'm wondering how much of this is actually her baby in general, and Scott just kind of oversaw it, because he gets the top credit in... Uh, in this but if you look it kind of says written by but uh, I, I too really like this again I was looking at it thought you know, there's another annual didn't we just have an annual like once all, already this year so uh, I kind of wish they would you know, look at the calendar and go annual okay once a year but it, it almost seems like every time that there is a fifth week in a month that's that's annual time so, uh, yeah, I thought this was also really good and pleasantly surprised, and um, I was kind of going through my pull box at the comic shop and saw that there was an annual, and I was like, oh, you know, it, it'll probably be good It's Scott Snyder, but, you know, the annuals are usually so thick, and sometimes it's just, you know, lately some of the annuals have been, kind of so-so, so I almost left it in the box and was going to get it this week, but I thought, nah, I'll, I'll pick it up. And, uh, I, again, pleasantly surprised. And I, I liked that a good chunk of the book was uh, dealing with the orderly. And I, I don't know how you say the, uh, creature, the, <laughs> the woman's uh, name at all, but
3: uh, yeah,
2: um, that, that's kind of, I, I was almost saying a or something, <laughs> but, uh, Uh, just an original character. Um, The first couple pages, I was thinking, oh, this is just going to be such a throwaway character. But I I really dug her story, and I, too, had the same reaction to Arkham Asylum. I'm like, yeah, that's supposed to be the, the correctional place that's supposed to help some of these people, or they can find solace and, you know, deal with the afflictions that they had and then... All the crazies in Gotham City, the clay faces, the Riddlers, the Jokers, the Two-Faces get thrown in there. And I thought, well, how many others, other people like her are in there that were trying to get, you know, better that now aren't getting that type of treatment? Because the real crazies are there and the mass murders and the Zazzes and the black masks. So uh, I thought this was really well done. So I, too, am going to give this uh, four out of five times that I've gone into a Walmart bathroom and looked around and sat down and go, I know there's no toilet paper here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that many, four times. <laughs> um,
0: Jay, what did you think?
3: Yeah, I thought, like you guys said, there were some great concepts in this issue. First off, the idea of Batman. Arkham inmates, or not Arkham inmates, but the doctors at Arkham using Batman to test out their security and their new technologies they're using for the facility, I thought was really cool. But then this new villain, the Anchorist, uh, like you guys said, that whole idea of Arkham supposed to be a sanctuary, really, as she calls it, for people who are sick mentally to try to help them get better. And then we actually see Arkham in its early days where it was all nice, and uh, the sunlight shining over there. We always see it at night. So, like you said, as Batman fans, we tend to forget what it's really supposed to be, a place where people with sick, uh, who are sick and who are mentally ill go there to get help. And the fact, I love this idea of her thinking Batman ruined that, that because of him, all these freaks and uh, murderers and weirdos get sent there now, and it's not what it's supposed to be. So, like you guys said, it was a, such a great concept, it made for a good story. Though there were certain things on here that, I thought felt a little too familiar. Her whole fight sequence with Batman, where she goes into his mind, to me, it felt a little too much like some Scarecrow would do, where he's living out or seeing some of his worst fears, like Damien's death. He sees, uh, he goes with his brother <laughs> Thomas Wayne, supposedly, <laughs> and has seen his parents' murder again. So to me, it felt very Scarecrowish. Where, yeah, we've seen Batman go through this stuff before, and it's always cool to see him come out of it. But I just thought it was a little too familiar, and. The only one other negative, I guess I would say with it, was just that small uh, tie into zero year is supposed to have where we get a flashback of Bruce uh, breaking into Arkham, trying to look up some records on the Red Hood gang, and that's where she first sees him and gets that bad vibe for him saying that Arkham's never going to be the same. I thought she, she could have just easily known that Batman is the reason that all these uh, super villains are in Arkham now and are ruining it for her. She didn't need to have that one encounter with Batman before he even was Batman to kind of know that he was the one who's going to set off this chain reaction of Arkham going downhill. I just felt having that little zero year tie-in felt a little forced. But other than that, I enjoyed this issue like you guys, and I'm going to go ahead and give it three and a half out of five times you go to a public bathroom and there's no toilet paper.
0: (laughs) There's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I got it all out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so um, we can move on to the Detective Comics Annual, number two. And, Tim, what did you think about this one? Yeah, this one I really liked. I
3: mean, going into so far I loved the first issue of the Wrath story arc, and so we're getting into some other storylines that are tied into that. And I really loved how this tied into it. I mean, we get, which I believe is the first appearance of Jane Doe in the new 52. The two is always a creepy villain, even uh, in previous story arcs where she just takes on the masks and the roles of other people and then when you actually see her real face it just there's no skin in there it just looks she's always been a creepy looking villain
0: how does she not get infections and, yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that because I mean it's open skin, I mean it's, she has no skin so there's no protection maybe she and wears like, enough fake mask <laughs> skins to make it where she doesn't get infected yeah but if there's germs on the mask she puts the mask right. on then She's going to get it. I'm sure there's some explanation out there. In her <laughs> it
2: must be a real sterile environment. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but What I really liked about the issue was it kind of lived up to its name, Detective Comics. I mean, we get to see Batman do some detective work, and there's just this whole mystery of you knew she was – because the Wrath recruits her and saying, I need someone on the inside for the police uh, for me to get some information, which I thought was a pretty cool concept to throw in there with the Rath storyline, because it does make sense. I mean, he's targeting cops, so – he would put someone on the inside to kind of have one step ahead of them. But the whole mystery is, who was Jane Doe impersonating? And I have to say, I was caught off guard by the reveal. I mean, this whole time we're introduced to uh, this uh, psychologist at the police department has taken on uh, called Abigail Wilburn. And right away I thought, okay, that's who Jane Doe is. And it kind of makes you, as you're reading the issue, the evidence is pointing to her towards her being the one. But it actually turns out that it's Bullock who Jane Doe is uh impersonating and it doesn't make sense to when you go back and read at it because that and I notice Bullock is acting different, but you let's believe it's because he likes this new psychiatrist. and That's why he's kind of putting on this act of being more charming and have more manners and all that stuff. But it turns out he acts that way because it was Jane Doe. So I thought that twist was really cool and I didn't see that coming. Then actually the first backup story to this one was pretty cool too where we see Jane Doe in prison. And it looks like Bullock's there to meet the psychiatrist and kind of let her know that, yeah, I was in love with you and I liked you, but even though it wasn't really me, can you just kind of having that awkward conversation because she was in love with someone who wasn't really this real person. And this whole time, Jane Doe was making Bullock watch everything that she was doing as him, which was making it hard for him to see. So, But as it turns out, as we finish that backup story, it's just Jane Doe having this conversation with herself because she obviously now has multiple personality disorder. So I just thought this issue had some nice uh, twists in it that I didn't see coming. And overall, it was better than I was expecting it to be. I really liked it. So I'm going to go ahead and give it four and a half out of five times. Use a public bathroom and just no tone on the paper, not even a spare to square. <laughs> or square to spare, I should say. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Tim, because um, this is probably the first issue of Detective Comics overall, and John Lehman that right. I liked. So, I was just about to give my, my score. Um, <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it. Five out of five. <laughs> it's good enough, right? <laughs> no, um, I didn't like it as much as you did, Tim. I felt that while well, it did have its good twist, I didn't feel like it was, you know, great. Like it was one that I'll go back to again and again and again. But I kind of do, you know, I, I kind of have that feeling. But it, it, it's just not overwhelming like it usually is. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I mean, if, if they keep with this Bullock story and the fallout from you know, his fake relationship with, uh, Abigail, then, um, I'm sure the story will be better, but, I don't know, there, there was just something missing, like, you know, and I think it's because it went too fast, um, it went too fast, and it was a little bit confusing, especially, um, you know, when they go to the mannequin, uh, factory, it's kinda like, what's, what's going on here, and how come Abigail has a knife, and, I mean, it kind of just drops you right into the middle of the action. And while that's okay, it kind of felt sloppy, and it kind of felt like John Layman was kind of kind of sloppy in that area.
3: Yeah, I actually liked it because it just, I don't know, I'm like, oh, who is the fake, <laughs> who is Jane Doe in the situation? Yeah, it's, yeah, right. You know, the dialogue's written how their actions are. You don't know who it is. It could be both of them.
0: Well, I guess you got a point there. And um, I, I felt it worked better in the backup story, where it was kind of like, Okay, so who's talking to who, and is Abigail really there? Is Bullock talking to Jane Doe, or is Abigail talking to whoever? You know, I mean, it's just weird. Is Abigail even there? And it turns out it's just Jane Doe and Bullock. I, I felt it worked better in the in the backup than it did in the actual story. Maybe it's because the actual story was an actual story and needed to get some <laughs> some story into it. I don't mean to sound repetitive, but <laughs> Uh, it, it needed all these other things to make it worth its money or seem like it's worth it. So, um, yeah, like, o- overall, I really liked it. And, you know, that's a big step for me in the right direction to liking Detective Comics. And we'll see what I think about uh, number 23. But, yeah, I, I loved it, especially Simon Kajansky's art at the end. I Always like when he shows up in a in a back book, I think he was born to be a Batman artist. So yeah, I'm probably gonna get I'm, I'm probably right there with you, Tim. I'm gonna give it four and a half out of five times that I've been to a public bathroom, probably without doors, probably at the beach, <laughs> where you know, I kind of had to hold up my towel and use the bathroom at the same time and only to find out that there's no toilet paper. So Rob, What did you think about it? Uh,
2: I really like this. Uh, Like I said uh, previously on one of our older casts that I haven't been picking up Detective Comics. Uh, The last one in my box is Issue 5. I just got real bored with it, and I felt like it wasn't going anywhere. Then uh, picking up... uh, hearing you guys talk about uh, 22 uh, with the wrath, I thought, okay, I went back to the uh, comic book shop and picked that up. So I'm kind of liking detective comics. Again, I'll kind of see how this story wraps up. And uh, again, I had the same thought with an annual like, Oh, I hope this isn't, you know, bad. I, I too enjoyed this. Um, I will agree with you, Dane. There were some spots that I was like, well, Hey, here's this new psychiatrist. And all of a sudden Harvey's like, I love you. I was like, wow, that was fast. And then all of a sudden we're wow we're in the uh, mannequin house. I'm like did, did I miss a page somewhere? But I uh, after reading the whole thing I thought okay that that still kind of adds to the suspicion and it kind of makes you go well, what's happening who's this? It doesn't. I think if they would have you know fed us a little bit more with it and kind of walked it out. It probably would have seemed like it was droning on it. It did keep the pace up pretty good. And, uh, something that I really liked about Jane Doe was the conversation that she was having with her or Harley, (laughs) (laughs) a Bullock, uh, and saying it, it almost wasn't uh, evil. It was more like, I'm going to be a better Bullock than you can be. And, uh, and getting into the uh, backup of uh, the kid at the bar telling him, you know, hey, you know, you you saved my, was it his brother or uh, cousin from, you know, whatever it was, and he says, oh, that that wasn't me, that was somebody else. So, you know, how long was Jane Doe running around doing good things as Bullock that, you know, Bullock can't take credit for, and is this going to kind of, make bullet crack a little bit and uh, make him feel like he's, you know, worthless uh, as a person, which I think would be a, an interesting twist that, you know, Jane can do that. She's not always doing these evil things. She was almost poking at him. Like, you know, watch this. I'm that girl that you like. I'm going to get her to fall in love with you. And, but she's going to fall in love with me, not going to fall in love with you. So I, I thought that was really clever. And, uh, it made me really, uh, really happy to pick up Detective Comics again, because, uh, Detective still isn't on my poll list, so, uh, it's still up in the air whether I'm gonna keep getting Detective Comics, but I, I really enjoyed this, uh, annual issue, almost a little bit more than, uh, the Batman issue, so I'm gonna give this, uh, four times that, I've gone to a public restroom, and uh, there's been no door, no toilet paper, and no toilet seat.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's pretty rough. It's the hover method. Yeah. (laughs) Skydropping,
2: baby. (laughs) Skydropping.
0: That would make an excellent Twitter name, (laughs) skydropping. <laughs> um, Alright, so for August 7th, we have Batwing number 23 and Detective Comics number 23. So, uh, Ra, why don't you start us off with uh, Detective Comics number 23?
2: Alright, so uh, we're picking back up with Wrath, uh, and uh, until I read the annual, um, that I got both of these at the same time, I wasn't sure which came first if the annual was tied in, so it, I was glad that. Uh, the annual did tie into this, and uh, I, I <laughs> I'm kind of at a loss for words because I I do really like the way this wrath story is going, and uh, I do have to point out something that had me. I, I don't know if I read it wrong, and I'm trying to flip to it when Bruce Wayne is meeting uh, uh, Caldwell. Uh, there is it's drawn really weird. It's it looks like Caldwell is saying uh, the newspaper headlines does not make uh, something true sometimes. As I told you before, Wayne, exactly Inter- what talking about. <laughs> Wayne Enterprises is not for sale. And the balloon is written as Caldwell saying it. And I was like, now, wait a minute. Did Caldwell buy Wayne Industries or Wayne Enterprises? So I thought, man, maybe I should have been picking up Detective Comics a lot more. So I think it was just an error. Am I correct in saying that?
3: Yeah, just the... Uh... Balloons are reversed. <laughs> they should be on the other characters.
2: Okay, I that thought...
3: <laughs> it caught me off guard too.
2: I don't know why that bothered me as much as it did, but um, I did like the "quote unquote" business jujitsu meeting that they have on the uh, on the rooftop. Um, it, it's kind of one of those moments that I think they both know who each other are. And they say, you know, you, you get to know your opponent by the way they move. And uh, Bruce even tries to slough it off is like, Oh, I've had a little bit of training. And Cardwell's like, it looks like you've had a little bit more of a you know, a little bit of training. And uh, I do like, again, this being detective comics, there's some detective work going on, but this time it's not by Bruce. It's by Alfred, you know, scanning Caldwell's uh you know layer and finding his you know weaponry and uh I just I thought this was done done very well um I'm very happy and pleasantly surprised to uh be picking up detective comics again and really t- anticipating where uh the story's going to end um and how they're going to, you know, wrap up the whole raft thing. I think there's probably what probably one more issue left. So, uh, very cool. And then the backup, uh, continuing with the uh, Man Bat uh, saga that's been going on in the backups. Um, I-, I wasn't expecting uh, uh, Langstrom's uh, wife to be like, uh, I would call her double agent, but be working for somebody else and that uh, she doesn't even really care to be married, that she's addicted to the man-bat serum, and uh, this is the thing that makes her uh, feel alive and free, that she feels she has to be the the doting wife because somebody else is telling her to, that the only way she can be her real true self is to be uh, a woman man-bat. So I, I thought that was really pretty cool. So I'm going to continue to give my run of uh, four times that I've been to Taco Bell and had to run to Walmart to go to the (laughs) bathroom to get there and go, curses, no toilet paper.
0: (laughs) The thing about this issue of Detective Comics is that it has what I feel that Detective Comics was lacking for the previous twenty two issue or twenty one issues is the fact that it's suspenseful. You know, yeah, that's a good word. Yes, it's Bruce and Alfred go go to Caldwell, and then uh, you know Alfred does his his thing where he breaks into Caldwell's secret bunker, his wrath bunker, and um, you know he he does his thing, and Bruce and um, Caldwell are kind of fighting and they're feeling each other out. They're not really sure of what to make of each other. And, and there's this whole over, overhanging thing that, you know, they're trying to uh, – or was trying to buy – um, Wayne Industries, and you pair that with the Alfred thing, and then it, it all gets released when um, when Caldwell uses his little lens or whatever to see that Alfred is breaking into his armory. And, you know, Alfred gets captured, and then, you know, Bruce gets held up and all that stuff. So it feels like it builds on on itself. It, it's it's kind of like the Dark Knight. It was all es- escalation. You know, you start off with this one thing, and then you, you grow it into this big, chaotic... Story, and that's what was missing from Detective Comics. And I'm so glad that John Layman decided to go this way, and I'm so glad that he decided to reveal who the who Wrath was, and not hang it over our heads where we're like, you know, okay, who's Wrath? And it, it, it turns out to be the person that we expected. You know, th- there isn't that expectation. It, it's just this guy's this guy's Wrath. Uh, wrath is Caldwell, Caldwell's Wrath, and Bruce and Caldwell are going to go head-to-head. And he threw this Alfred thing into the mix, and I mean, we all know Alfred's going to get saved, but if John Lehman sticks with this formula, he, I'm sure he's going to build it up. And even though we know the ending, it, it's going to surprise us anyway. So I'm probably going to give this one four out of five times that I've gone to the bathroom. And there's no toilet paper. Uh, as for the backup story, that's why it isn't four and a half out of five. So <laughs> take from that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim, what did you think about it,
3: man? Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you guys. I thought it kind of played out almost like a the sequence was like a high sequence in a movie or something where you got the distraction with Bruce from Caldwell trying to distract him from what Alfred's really doing, sneaking into the building and trying to take out the security. So all that was really Really fun to read in this issue. Like you said, Dane, it was susp- it got a suspenseful feel to it. But um, one thing that kind of caught, took me off a little bit was that, well, I shouldn't say take me off, but caught me off guard was that uh, Calvo's trying to tell Bruce, like, I want Wayne Industries because of the work you do for Batman and the tech you build for him. And Bruce is kind of, like, playing off. Like, I don't do any of that stuff for Batman. I don't make any secret weapons or anything like that. But it's like, doesn't everyone know about Batman Incorporated? And so everyone knows Bruce Wayne is involved with Batman in some capacity but Bruce is trying to kind of play it off and saying he really doesn't have that much to do with Batman. So I thought that was a little strange. It kind of took me out of it a little bit, not knowing, like, okay, what's the real deal with Batman Incorporated then? But that was kind of a small nitpick. But I did like the sequence, too, where uh, the Rat has Alfred, and as Caldwell leaves, uh, he leaves, and then we see Bruce about to leave, and he's going to his phone to talk to Alfred. And we see that girl sneak up behind him, and you know she's going to take him out as she pulls that gun out of her dress, but then when we get back to that sequence, we just see her on the ground knocked out, and Bruce is going back to his bat lane. I just love how he thought she had the upper hand of Batman, but of course no one has the upper hand of Batman. <laughs> but I will say I'm not convinced Caldwell is the rat. I mean, we're all led to believe that he left the room, and then the rat shows up with Alfred, but we have yet to see him without his mask, so and right now it looks a little too obvious that Caldwell is the rat. I'm, right now I think it's not. It's it's someone else that we're not expecting, and that maybe Caldwell is just like the puppet of the Wrath, and he's just using him in the as like he's pulling the strings on Caldwell, and he's not really in charge. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I still think that the Wrath is someone else that we're not expecting. Hopefully, it's a good twist and not something pulled out of <laughs> out of nowhere.
2: We're like, okay, what did that have to do with it? But we'll see that out. that would be fitting to it be kind of like Batman Incorporated, that there's a Wrath Incorporated. You know, uh, mm. I, I like Dane said, it'd be nice to go, oh, it's, it's Caldwell, he's the Wrath. But I could see it, too, that uh, Codwell wants what Wayne Enterprises has because he's trying to fund his, you know, vigilante, as it were. So, like I said, we'll just have to wait and see.
3: Yeah, and like you said, Dane, <laughs> or didn't really say it, but got your point across off the backup this backup wasn't good from the start and I will say this one was a little better because it kind of tied in with the overall story of what's going on in detective because uh, Francine Langstrom was working working for Caldwell so <laughs> kind of tied in that way but other than that really nothing <laughs> too great about it so I'll go ahead and give this one the same score you did four out of five times you go to a public bathroom
0: and there is no toilet paper.
3: And you scream out, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so our final book, I guess you could say. Kind of is a gonna book. be Kind of a half a book is Batman Beyond, number one, by Kyle Higgins. It's the relaunch of uh, Batman Beyond. And Tim, you're a fan of the series, you're a fan of the animated series. So, what did you think?
3: Yeah, I thought it was off to a great start. I mean, I was excited when I heard Kyle Higgins is going to be taking over Batman Beyond, because he's a massive animated series fan, so I can't wait to see what he brings to it. Probably some little Easter eggs here and there that only diehard animated series fans will pick up. So, I thought the issue was off to a great start. We see, like, the futuristic Arkham Asylum there, and we even do see some old Batman Beyond villains in the the cells. We see uh, Terry's old friend Big Time. We see some Jokers in there. Though I would question one of the characters Kyle Higgins put in there. We saw the Joker character Bonk, who was killed by the Joker in Return of the Joker, so this, i pretty sure it takes place after Return of the Joker, so kind of questioning why he was there, so I don't know. <laughs> Let's have to ask Kyle Higgins one day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the story was cool. The thing that I this really grabbing me about this first story, or this probably Kyle Higgins' whole story run that he has planned is that this takes place a year after the last story arc with the uh, Joker's taking over Gotham with Dana's brother and all that. But something's happened in Terry's world now. We don't know yet, but everything's different for him. Uh, he's broken up with Dana, even though she knows who he is now. And then what I loved about this issue was that we see the usual banter between Bruce and Terry through the monologue, that Bruce is talking to him as he's Batman through his headset. And it's just kind of like business as usual, the typical banter and dialogue you would see between those two characters. But at the very end, we get the reveal that he's not talking to Bruce. It's actually Dick Grayson he's talking to the whole time. And they say the, the line that Dick Grayson liked to use in the animated series and talking to things to Tim Drake, saying things change. And that, that Terry said that and Dick says that to him. I thought that was a kind of nice nod to the old wounds episode. But it's the perfect thing Dick would say to him as he said that to Tim Drake. So already I'm getting some Batman the Animated Series nods there that maybe not everyone would pick on, but diehards would. It's just a great twist that's seen that Dick is pretty much the new Bruce in Terry's life, and I just died to find out what happened in that year gap. Why is uh, Bruce no longer mentoring Terry? Why is Dana broken up with him? Like, something massive had to happen, and I can't wait to see uh, what that reveal is. So, yeah, it's definitely up to a great start. I'd probably go ahead and give it four and a half times out of five that pff, we go to a public bathroom.
2: Uh, I don't know, Tim, if you've heard the, I should, should say, the most recent Fat Man on Batman Uh Kyle Higgins is on there talking about uh, this very arc and yeah. his uh, plot points, what he has uh, laid out for uh, Batman Beyond 2.0. It sounds really interesting what he's uh, wanting to kind of do with the series. So
3: Yeah, he said in his fourth story arc is kind of what we'll find out what happened during that year gap and, like everything will come together and I guess have some type of conclusion to his first big story arc. So, yeah, I can't wait.
0: All right, so I guess that brings us to the end. Of this of this podcast, but we shouldn't say it's an end because that would mean there's going to be no more. So what should we say? The end is just the beginning. Repeating that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Kim said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you can check out our host site, the Batman Universe at thebatmanuniverse.net, or on Facebook at facebookcom Universe or on Twitter, and the handle at, tw- at Batman Universe. At Batman Universe, I was going to say at Twitter Universe, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you can follow everybody that's on this podcast uh, on Twitter, and you can follow Tim at Tim G three eleven, and you can follow Terrence, even though Terrence thinks his family is more important than doing a <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> how could he think that? <laughs> yeah, how dare he? Um, and you can follow Rob. And his Twitter handle is at DrummerRob10.
3: I don't think you said Terrence's Twitter handle, though.
0: Oh, right. <laughs> Terrence's one is at IOD1974, and Rob's is at DrummerRob10. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, and you can find all the other Batman Universe podcasts on iTunes, and you can rate and review us, and you can rate and review all of them, too. And <laughs> if, if you rate and review one of them, or us, and you... um. And you say that the Batman, not the Batman universe, the, the Batfans Podcast Without Pants um, told you to review this, then that'll make us look sexier, and in return, we'll love you even more. So, you can also email us at batfans27 at gmail.com, and you can follow our brand new Batfans Facebook page at facebook.com slash Podcast. and don't forget to pick up Ben C. Foster's record, which you can find at the thefandommenace.bandcamp.com. I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, we love you, man. We love you, woman. We love both sexes <laughs> equally. <laughs> Not in the same way, though. So... Um, yeah we love you Don't miss I mean miss us But don't cry about it and Don't be sad Because we'll be back here In two weeks Doing this all over again Except with new books New news And new random topics To talk about So we won't be uh, We might be talking about Toilets And public restrooms <laughs> And you No know, toilet paper And Rocky Or not Rocky Sylvester Sloan And Arnold Schwarzenegger But It'll be Different You know a whole other context <laughs> Yeah yeah It's, it's, it's kind of like The DC Universe And then Flash Goes back in time And he uh, Makes the Flashpoint Paradox And everything is all Screwed up Except ours Won't be screwed up Or at least I don't think it will be But You've been listening to Fat Fence Podcast Without Pants Podcast And we love you So bye everybody See ya Say bye guys Peace
3: well, you usually go on in like another five minutes, saying goodbye, <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's, so I don't know if you're done or not, but... That's what I was waiting for. That was my speech. That's
0: oh. the other Oh, no, we Do I have anything else to say? You always have something else to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, actually, I actually had an idea. Um, <laughs> the best fathom oh, was all bad. Sunday.
1: Bear Fett, Crime alley's a rich boy's tomb. Mm-hmm. The steaming cat, two faces of a boy Scarecrow's frightened of a clown that's laughing boy.